0: Hello and welcome to The Thing About Golf, the podcast series from Golf Australia magazine that explores just what it is that draws people to this crazy and infuriating game. My name's Rod Murray and I'm your host on this monthly journey where we meet golfers both famous and not to find out just what for them is The Thing About Golf. If you're new to the podcast, make sure to check out the archives. This is episode six, but on previous editions, we've chatted with Bob and Kathy Shearer, Barnboogle Dunes owner Richard Sattler and golf course architecture publisher Paul Daly, among others. All of those have been fascinating interviews, and I must take this opportunity to thank those who've been in touch over the past couple of months to say nice things about the show. If you want to be sure never to miss an episode, simply subscribe in your preferred podcast app. That, of course, is free. And also make sure to follow us on Twitter at @thinggolf for updates about everything ...to do with the show. I mentioned that there'd already been some nice feedback... ...and I'm hoping we'll get more positive responses... ...to this month's guest... ...who might be our highest profile so far... ...and is certainly one that I was keen to sit down with. It's not every day you get to chat... ...with a two-time Australian Open winner... ...particularly one with a terrific sense of humour... ...a knack for telling stories... ...and a down-to-earth approach... ...that one doesn't always encounter... ...in the top echelons of the golf world it's no surprise that Peter Lonard is one of this nation's favourite players, equally popular among peers and fans alike. He's never had the prettiest golf swing, though it's certainly devastatingly effective, and he's never been the longest hitter or the best putter. But perhaps what draws people to Lonard is his grit, application to the task, and laid-back attitude. Having sat with him for this lengthy exchange, I can confirm personally that all of these attributes are genuine, and even if he wasn't a world-class player, the truth is, Peter Lonard would still be a world class bloke. So sit back and enjoy what I think is a fascinating chat with one of our best, Peter Lonard. Well, Pete Lonard, first things first, thank you for taking some time. Really appreciate it. Pleasure. Podcast's called The Thing About Golf. It's probably a moving target for a pro who's been at it as long as you have, but at this end of your career, this moment in time, what's the thing about golf for Pete Lonard?
1: Well, I don't think the actual playing of the game for my for my life is is any different i still play because i enjoy having to play different courses at different moments and even even though the the enjoy the good days are gone professionally there's still you still get that feeling having to hit that one shot at the right time say to win a pro am or to even to take forty bucks off your mates. You, you still have that feeling. Thirty, forty years on, playing golf is still the enjoyment of having to hit a certain shot at the right time and actually doing it. And there's no guarantee in golf that you'll ever do it. You'll do it all the time, but that one or two moments per year or per <laughs> month or whatever, where you have to hit that shot and you hit it, it's a it's a great feeling, and it it just keeps you motivate or keeps you interested in it anyway. We're sitting here on a Wednesday and you've just played in the comp at
0: the Lakes. I imagine not with a bunch of other touring pros. As you would well know, a lot of your contemporaries and blokes who do what you do for a living would think that was as much fun as extracting their own teeth with a pair of pliers and no (laughs) anaesthetic.
1: (laughs) Well, I don't know. I've been a member here. I probably joined the Lakes in 2000, maybe 2001. And um, for... For the most part of it, I just put my name down on the, on the Saturday comp, the Wednesday comp. Um, the last probably year or so, I played with pretty much the same guys, but mm-hmm. up until then, I was just, I'd see a gap, put my name down, and off we go. And, you know. What it's
0: a for the members, it's, Pete, I imagine. You must have had some well, great I, reactions I, over
1: the years. I, I don't know. I know you don't think of that. <laughs> you might not like with it. yourself, uh, but. I, I don't know. I, I, do, I, I did play with a guy last week, and he said, Oh, he said, you've been doing this for a long time. I said, Yeah, because he, uh, he said, you just play normally in the comp. With different blokes? Yeah, he said, Yeah. He said, I played with an old black um about a year ago and he uh, he said, Oh he said, I came down for a social game and Peter he goes, I like Peter, but that was just too hard for me. It was too much pressure, right? He goes, I hated it. <laughs> so I suppose it depends on the individual whether they like it or not. But um it's good. Like all well, clubs, wide array of people, you meet all sorts. You meet thirty handicappers at have No problem giving you a lesson whilst you're walking around the course or <laughs> you know, advice. you know, or what you did wrong, you know, <laughs> 10 years ago or whatever it was. But, um, yeah, it's, it's all sorts good fun. I love playing golf, I think. Probably like now, I'm a member here and at the Aussie, so at the Australian, I probably play on Saturdays more often mm-hmm. and then play here on the Wednesdays. So, uh, and the rest of the time, I just do a bit of practice and hang around there's a lot of stuff about golf that's unique that might be the
0: most unique might it not I can't think of another sport where a top world-class player can lob up with a bunch of amateurs
1: yeah that's the greatest hey, part hey, of hey, golf yeah. In, like I can play with a, a mate who's off 20 odd handicap and we can still come down the last having a bet yep. over you know lunch or a drink or whatever it is and he can beat me and still have the and get as much satisfaction out of it yeah. as playing against someone of your own ability so yeah. i think that's the beauty of golf i think it's often lost because I, I think you're right there's just no other sport that you can actually no. play someone that's not of your same ability no. yeah, well, you and i aren't playing roger federer and if yes. we do it's not going to be much that's fun right. for him or, no fun or for him. Or yeah. us Have would be a short game
0: the game's changed at the top level a lot i'm just listening to you think about that there is it a bigger business than it used to be do we see less guys of who go out and play the World's Tours, you know, the players that we see on the PGA Tour, the European Tour, who maybe have less of an attitude like yours, and I suspect a lot of guys our generation and prior?
1: Uh, it's become just I think, business for some. I, think, I definitely think there's some guy like even when, when I first started, there'd be the odd US pro that would say, I don't really enjoy playing golf, but I'd do it for, for of, the finances. There's a lot of money in it. But, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of money in it. But, you know, now I look at the senior tour, those blacks are still playing, and they've got more money than they need. So <laughs> That's right, you know, maybe right. they, they do like it. the golf a bit. But um, yeah. I don't know whether it's like it's definitely big business. America's big business has definitely changed. $15 Fifteen million um, one tournament last week. McElroy, fifteen million, just like incredible what? dollars. I, awesome. I can remember when that first, the FedEx Cup came up first. I think the um, I think first prize was ten million, 10 million. On, on your superannuation. That was the
0: third thing. That's right. Yes, yeah. and.
1: All the good players got a little upset because, <laughs> well, you can't expect us to play for that. So now it goes straight in their pocket yeah. apparently. But um, it's one of those weird things. How much money is enough? Is there, I think the, the landscape's definitely changed, particularly in world golf, particularly America and Europe, like they never end. I think in the old days, most of the tours, the US tour and or and, uh, well, the PGA tour and uh, the European tour used to usually start about – March, April, Mm -hmm. finished September, which left a a nice window for tournament countries like Australia or South Africa or even a bit in Asia, you know, left a nice window for them to operate. And if the good players wanted to play, which at the end of the day, I think most of them like playing, they had to travel, which was good for golf all around the world, I think. But now the fact... They're massive machines and they go from the first week in January to the second week in November. It's really put the squeeze on Australia, probably South Africa and you know the other guys as well. We just had the off season. It was a week. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. And it's they're back on, yes, back on again. We're back to work. <laughs> yes, so it's a never ending it's just yeah. just A big circle that just keeps going round and round. I suppose it's a good thing. It says there's a lot of
0: interest in golf, but as you say, it's not necessarily a good thing for everybody. This will come out around the time of the Australian Open. We'll talk about the Australian Open and its importance to you a bit later. But we feel the effects of that, particularly with an event like the Australian Open, don't we, which should be more important in the world of golf than it is. But it's harder and harder for us to remain relevant even amongst our own top Australian players. What are your thoughts on some of that? It's been controversial the last couple
1: of years, obviously. Yeah, Yeah, You know, like as an Australian, if you're a good player, I can't see any reason why you can't do three weeks in a row. Like to me, three weeks in the whole scheme of things is no big deal. But maybe I'm old-fashioned, I don't know. But but to me, it was always, you know, I'd play everywhere, not being able to wait to get back to play in Australia. But that feeling, whether it had the... uh, what would you call it, Uh, the world recognition was never an issue to me because I'm Australian, so I don't think it should matter. But the problem, I think probably the main reason now is that, which really hurts Australian golf quite considerably, is the tours go for longer. The young guys that are playing or just starting out, particularly trying to get overseas, those tournaments... That's when they have their tour schools which is when our tournaments are on so i think it it's a it's a progression of everything so you know the kids like i grew up playing golf and my first thing was playing pro-ams and then the next step was getting out of the pro-ams playing the australian or the vic opens or the smaller opens and then you know the pinnacle was playing the australian open and the masters and the pga um, early doors there was palm meadows and things mm-hmm. like that like specialist tournaments like hung around for two or three years and and left um, but that was the pinnacle for me and then once you got through that then you'd go overseas but you could always seem to manage playing them going to the tour schools and then getting your card and, and moving on so you always had an affiliation with those tournaments mm-hmm. now it seems like the really gifted young kids unless they're unbelievably good seem to get in caught in that no man's land where they have to play qualifyings for the, you know I think Europe and America both now have two or three qualifyings then they have in America they you only qualify for the web.com yep. or I don't think it's called it's even corn, web corn ferry tour corn ferry tour yep. and then then that then you got to play a full year there and then move on and they get caught in this cycle where they they almost can't play in Australia. If, or if they can, they can play in one, but then two days later they have to be in America to yeah. do something yeah. else. So it's sort of... And if you're serious about
0: getting to America, that's not helping your chances, is it? Getting on a plane straight after the no, Australian Open could, and teeing it up two days it. later, it's
1: just, Yes, yeah. so it's, it, there's a lot of things timing-wise that's not doing Australia any favours with that sort of stuff. And I think because they're so used to just fighting to get onto the tours, that three weeks... Sort of gets blurred from the time they start, you know, and then all of a sudden they get their card, and then they don't have that affiliation or the the great memories of playing there and moving up the ladder so um
0: it begs the question, I suppose, Peter, I wonder which does the more damage in that sense the young players never developing their relationship with the Australian Open or the big stars, our own big stars not coming back to play. It. Both, I suppose, don't help the tournament in their own way.
1: Well, it definitely the- plays a role, I, th- I think. I yeah. think the, the good players inspire the youngers, mm. the youngster, go- younger guys, yeah. and if the younger guys coming through now see that the big guys don't play, well, they'll start acting the same, won't they? Yeah. You know, I'd, I'd, like it was almost unheard of in the years ago, when I first started for Grady or Finchie or any of the guys mm-hmm. not to play every tournament, pretty much, in Australia. And um, and obviously, like we said, it was easier to do that yeah, then. It, oh, it's different too. I mean, it's different
0: n- nobody in this day and yet. age is making the sort of money that they were, I mean, or they weren't making the sort of money. Yes. I mean, Jason Day is his own empire. Adam Scott is his own business empire. Yes, well, his decisions aren't all his own, and there's a reality to that that we need to. Yes, it just does seem a shame, doesn't it? When you've
1: grown up with the Australian Open being that event, and it just seems to be losing a bit of that luster. Yes, and yes. just with with the home players, and and also I think years ago, I may be incorrect on this, but I, I reckon they uh, you know, guys like Nicholas, player, um, maybe Palmer, even. It was actually in their contracts that they had to play... Mm-hmm. certain tournaments right. around the world per year, no, and that, I think this they, was being part of their deal. They all had a club deal, I think, and they had to play the clubs that were at the sale here when
0: they got here, and they got a cut ongoing. We were just talking about yes. yesterday. Oh, really? Actually. Okay, yeah. yeah. And that was the deal. So rather okay. than an appearance fee, a million bucks to play this week, and then you go home, it was right. You get 30% of Schlesinger sales for the next 12 months, but you've got to tee it up in the Australian Open, and you've got to use the Slashinger clubs that we're selling. So
1: that was... Oh, uh, okay. It's all changed, yeah. hasn't it? Yes. So, a, so that's not... That just doesn't happen. So yeah. it doesn't actually really help you with getting the big boys over to play. Can you give them enough money? No, Michael, you just can't do it, can you? Look,
0: Rory won $15 million the other week. What could you possibly offer him if he didn't want to come to Australia that would make it worth his while? Yes. What, what,
1: what can't, you can't, Financially, you just can't do you, it. You, you can't, just do, can't it. do it.
0: And it becomes irresponsible. No human's worth that sort of... Yes. Well,
1: I do, maybe Tiger, but... I, I do remember when, when I was... Like when I was on the PGA Tour probably 01 to probably 09 or something and um, you played you played a lot of golf. You played for a hell of a lot of money. Sponsorship money was off the charts compared to anything I'd ever seen mm-hmm. anywhere else. And um, they would have pro-ams and offer you a very good sum for a day's golf after a tournament. And a lot of the tournaments they couldn't, fill the field couldn't get enough players to play in them because of the money but the one thing that they did that you could never get a start in was the first tournament of the year they used to play the sony in hawaii and they had a monday pro-am and guys hadn't played for well not that long but maybe a month or so but they used to have this monday pro-am and what instead of money they used to give you something that wasn't out yet so the prototype to a Game Boy, or right, sort of I don't Sony products, yeah, whatever yeah, those yeah. sort of things. Yeah, yeah, and that you couldn't buy. Right, couldn't get a start. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, like yeah. guys, you'd see guys knock come and play a thirty thousand dollar <laughs> Pro Am. Oh no, sorry, I got to go home and rearrange my sock drawer. Yeah, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you've got a PlayStation on five hundred dollar PlayStation that you can't get out, can't can't buy. All of a sudden, you can't get a start in it. So, um keep kids quiet.
0: Yes, thirty thousand dollar Pro Am. Don't probably don't.
1: <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, you, I think you've got to give them. For the overseas player, I think Australia's got to sell the opportunity or something that you can't buy. So you've got to sell Australia rather than the tournament, the money. Itself, yeah, the, yeah money. the money itself yeah, exactly. means nothing to them. And I'm sure if you spoke to every guy on the US tour, bar probably two or three, have you ever been to Australia? A lot of them would say no. Would you like to go to Australia? I'd love to go to Australia. So I'm sure there's a way to do it but it's got to be on things that they can't buy or they don't know. Yeah. So it's not bogged a- down in that. It's, yeah. it's not the
0: ugly side of golf, but it's less fun than some of the other stuff sure. that, we're, yeah. that we're, we're going to talk about. Yeah. I, I guess the ultimate thing to say about that is money isn't always the best solution for everything. It Correct. creates as many problems as it solves. Yes, it would yes. I, I,
1: I think there was definitely a sweet spot there for a while, yeah. and now the sweet spot's getting further, and further apart. It's were you really born not-
0: too early? If you were 20 no. years younger? <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, maybe I wouldn't be any good. I don't know. The... Uh, I did hear one of the kids, uh, or one of the old blokes oh, about a year ago, he was talking to one of the other guys and he'd be about my age, probably 51. Anyway, they said, ah, oh, you know, we were just born in the wrong era. Uh, I was like, you can't be serious, can you? And they said, what do you mean? I said, you got on tour with the, the year that Tiger started. Yeah. That's when the, that's when the gravy train really started yeah. to kick along. It was like, I said, don't worry about what they're making now, but Tiger was the, he, he was the capitalist for it all moving, you know, pretty quickly. So, I think I've been pretty lucky. Right time. Yeah. Wasn't all smooth
0: sailing for you, of course, Pete. No. We all know the story of the Ross River Fever and all those <laughs> sorts of things. I was having a poke around. I, yep. didn't, I didn't realise. I'm sure many don't. You did two years in Europe prior to the, the Ross River Fever. I always sort of thought yes. that you were in a, a PGA Tour of Australia player. Two pretty ordinary years, it yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. has Four to years, be yep. said. I found some old photos of you too at that time. They're a very different shape to what you are now. Oh yeah, I'm um, guessing the Ross River had yeah. something to do with that. But what do you remember about those first two years there? And I think your best result was a top, a tied tenth in one event over oh, years. And how important perhaps were those years later when you went back and you had a lot more success, obviously.
1: Well, I think, um, you know, I, I, like I played no golf as a kid. I, I didn't play any amateur events soccer, or I, think, I played soccer band? or and yeah. a lot of cricket and rugby league and all that sort of stuff so i had no real background in in golf so everything i learned was as a trainee or all of a sudden i got i got out on tour and played pro-ams uh-huh. and so it was a, it was a it was a progression every time i got to another mm. level um steep learning curve too but, i would think yeah it was it was it was different like i was sporty so it, it mm-hmm. wasn't i didn't find it impossible i think um the first year i became a trainee i think um well i, I remember i played the australian trainee championships i played with a guy called ken trimble mm-hmm. and uh i think i did all right in that one but i i uh after playing with him that day i realized i wasn't very good i was hopeless uh-huh. so i thought oh, how am i going to fix this i gotta find a coach i gotta i gotta get all my ducks in order and and uh, go from there so um I was lucky enough to find a coach. Well, I went to Gary Edwin. Uh, he was um, down in Canberra in those days. and
0: So right from the get-go, Gary was your Yeah, Yeah, that was my
1: long, second it? year as a trainee. I went to see him. Um, th- I I knew I wasn't very good, but I thought I swung it okay and all that sort of stuff. And um, as I found out pretty quickly, <laughs> I wasn't. <laughs> my swing was horrendous. Doesn't pull punches, and, does he, Gary? No, and I liked him because at that stage because he used video. And through cricket, I'd learned... I did most of my training with uh, on video. Okay. So it made to sense to me. I could see what mm-hmm. they were talking about. So um, that next second year made great strides as far as playing, my, as far as ball striking and all that was sort of concerned. But then I, once I finished my traineeship, then it was just to go play pro-ams, did all right there. I was never a great pro-am player, but when I played four-rounders, I, I seemed... I felt far more comfortable because I'd yeah. have a practice round. I'd set it up. I was pretty good at, um, you know, manoeuvring my way around the course and working out how to play it. And um, from the time I'd, I'd seen Gary and I, realised the harder I practised, the better I got. So I was a massive practicer. Yeah. Um, once I finally got into the position to go to Europe, I figured, well, I'll go to the tour school. So I ended up getting my card I wasn't like today, where you look it up on the internet. And go, okay, this is what you know. Yeah. I'm gonna do there. I'll get yeah. a bed sit, and <laughs> I'll, it? I just basically got my card. What do I do? Oh well, the first tournament's in Mallorca in May or March or whatever it was. So there was no internet, so there was no. It was just, it was just I just get to Mallorca uh, and find yeah, somewhere to stay. Yeah, exactly. So I just ended up going to. Uh, I went down to the bank and swapped twenty thousand bucks <laughs> for pounds and got eight thousand quid. And I thought, Hang on a minute, what the hell's going on here? And then. I just got on a plane and turned up in London, and um, the first the first three days I'd spent eight hundred pounds, nine hundred pounds. I'm going, wow, I'm in big trouble. Yeah, I'm not going to last very long. And uh, I, I was lucky. I uh, Wayne Riley actually um, took me under his wing a bit and said, you know, you got to get a you've got to find somewhere to stay where you can leave your clubs and leave some stuff and blah blah blah. So we ended up getting a bed sit and need a car, and so I did that. Um, looking back at it. I think I just—I had no idea what I was doing. I just turned up and off I went, and I got a, I ended up getting bedzit. I bought a larder for five hundred quid. Um, <laughs> You've done it all, and then off I went. Went and you know went to Mallorca. I think the first—the worst thing was I—I I played okay the first few weeks, uh-huh. and then and then I slowly got worse. But I had nowhere. There was nowhere to practice. There was no, so I had no backup for keeping my game in order, whereas playing through Australia all, all through those years, you know, I always had Auckland to go back and practice, mm-hmm. and, I, and like I said, I was a big practicer, so I'd spend every day, I'd either practice or go to the gym, and I'd practice all day, go to the gym at night, then I'd go to the drive, Parramatta Driving Range at night, which I don't even think's there anymore. Probably not. And then, um, so to Europe, I really I, I, just. Did you learn, though? Do you think you learnt things
0: there that still hold you in good stead now?
1: I think it made me a bit tougher, mm-hmm. I, and I. The initial thing was in Europe, I hated it because, like, all the older pros treated you like crap, basically. Mm-hmm. But what I didn't, what I worked out over the years was, there's such a high attrition of guys that come in and don't la- and are gone the next year and they never see them again. So until you're there for a while, don't get attached. Yeah, <laughs> this kid don't might get attached. not yes, last. Yes, You yes, might touch. like exactly. his blonde-haired kid, that he'll be gone. That'll yes. be no good. Yes. So. Um, you know, I learned that later on, but uh-huh. the first couple of years I found pretty difficult. Just away from home, there was no—you didn't have phones or you know no, Skype or any of that stuff. Yeah, it's... you'd go down the road and you'd be in a little red phone booth, slotting <laughs> one pound coins <laughs> yes, in there to say good day to your mum and dad. Or, I think Clates, tell me if you wanted the chasing. footy results, you went to the
0: Australian Embassy on Tuesday and you'd get the Melbourne paper. Would have arrived by then in yep. London, and then you'd, you'd be able to see who won the footy on Sunday and Saturday.
1: Yeah, so it was like such a different, yeah. you know, thing, and I. The, at the actual second year, I actually could have got my card, but I didn't think I was going to get a start. And so I came home seven weeks early. And as it turned out, I got six starts. So, um, and then I think I missed my card by £100 maybe. Lesson learned. Something like yeah. that. So, but yeah, so that was a lesson learned. Um, you know, maybe I was homesick looking back at it. I don't know. But then. You might have missed seven. You might have missed all six. Yes, yes, you know, just had spent
0: four grand doing it is the other side so you know
1: managing your finances and and that but I think looking back at it the worst thing I I was never prepared I never had anywhere to practice and somewhere where I could just go I had a place to go and stay but I didn't it's important to have somewhere to stay, but it's also important to have somewhere where you can just go and practice. For a practicer, if that if that's yes. you, if, if that's, that's what you do, what you do then yes. you, you
0: can't sort of live without yes. it. I'm intrigued. You said that – no. sorry, just to go back. You said Gary Adwin was pretty blunt about you. At least he, you didn't have the Nick Ahern experience who went for his first lesson. I think I said Neil Smith, his coach, and the first question he asked me over here, if he was, did you say you're a pro? <laughs> <laughs> that was that was his introduction.
1: There, his yeah, okay. Did you
0: say you're a pro? No. Um,
1: well, I, di- I didn't quite get that. But I, <laughs> well, I did have my Jack Nicholas pants on, yeah. so maybe that, that that was it. How'd you
0: end up in golf? We're here now, all these years later. But for a kid who didn't play golf at all, how did they start? It's an incredible journey. It's taken um, you on. In hindsight, I suppose if it yeah. wasn't part of
1: your life before, yeah. Well, it was um, probably. I reckon I was about twelve, and my uh, we used to go up the entrance. My grandparents lived at the entrance up at Tugger Lake's, and my father. Used to kind of, We'd go up there probably three or four weeks over summer and um, one day I wasn't very hot and all that and Dad just said, oh, and I, like I was sporty, so anything to do with sport, I, mm-hmm. I, wanted, to I wanted to have a go yep. and um, he used to play once a year against with my uncle. My uncle was a golfer. Okay. So he said, well, maybe we should go for a game of golf um, but you can't take it up as a sport. That was, that's exactly what he said. I so, said, uh, why? And he said, well, golf's for old people and rich people. And he goes, you're not old, and we've got no money, so don't ever think you're going to be a golfer. So I said, all right. So anyway, off we chuffed. We played nine holes at Tugger Lakes Golf Club, and uh, and I, I loved it. I liked it. I thought it was straight good Straight away you were it straight I, away were taken by? I wasn't totally hooked, hooked but I enjoyed playing golf. And um, anyway, so we, used, we came back, and over the next year or two, I'd play soccer in the morning or rugby league in the morning, depending upon – year it was and then um same with cricket, we'd play in the mornings and then Saturday afternoon dad dropped me off at North Wright Golf Club and I'd just join this group and go and Play 18 holes, perfect child minding, I suppose, you know. <laughs> it's handy, yeah. Yeah, give me a couple of bucks and give me a Coke and a packet of chips and I'll go playing golf all afternoon. So like that's a, how it sort of started.
0: A bit like the first member of the family to go to uni, you're the first one to
1: yeah, start to go to playing to golf. golf. Yeah, exactly.
0: That, that image of golf as a rich person's, view. we still struggle against that today, don't we? It's interesting, isn't it? Because it's, it's not the reality, is it? As you would have found fairly quickly once you well, started
1: playing. Not compared to the rest of the world. Oh, here is definitely like, not. No. This is yeah, but. Um, Yes, like in the end, I became a, a cadet member at Oatlands Golf Club. Um, one of the guys that I played soccer with, he, his his family played golf, and said, "Oh, there's this thing at Oatlands." So that's how I I'd started there. So we play every second Sunday on early early in the morning before the comp or something. There'd be like a group of cadets, and we go out and play nine holes, and I'd just hang around. And anyway, I just I played probably once a week from then on. Um, without being a member anywhere pretty much till I was about 16. And then, it's going to sound ridiculous, but there was a... Uh, I reckon there was a TV show about Greg Norman on... It was about the time when he really played well, like, out of his skin mm-hmm. and with majors and all that sort of stuff. And they had a couple of, um like, hour episodes on just Greg Norman. And I was sitting there one day and I said, oh, I'm going to be a golfer. So I walked in <laughs> to my father and said... I don't know whether I need to do the HSC I'm uh, going to be a golf pro and <laughs> which was uh, over my dead body was his his reply you're going to join the bank or join the uh, the insurance companies I think it was the bank in those days dad worked in insurance for 50 odd years for the same company so uh, yeah he was pretty set in his way you're going to get an education and you know um, I think my mum realised I wasn't that smart so <laughs> probably, probably not the best option but uh, anyway so yeah so that, that was it um how many careers do you reckon he launched, Norman? Seriously, your oh, in my vintage, O'Lilvy,
0: Scott, a lot, um, a lot. L- legitimately, people yes. looked and said, "That's what that's I. That's what do. I want to do." And we- these are the only guys we know about who went on to turn pro and have a good career and become yeah. known. How
1: many thousands of people play golf because yeah. of him? I think uh, it's extraordinary. He- it? it was extraordinary. They're, they're, the the public interest from people that don't play golf—that's when you, I think, you see it. At, yeah. Who's the the best? Yeah. You know, and. And Norman had that. Tiger has that. Yeah. What is it? You've played with them both. You know them both. No doubt. What is it? What do
0: they got? Are they like it when they're, you're just
1: sitting here? Can you feel it when you're just talking to them in the clubhouse? Just normal guy. Go- like I probably, sp- I've probably spoken to Tiger more than I've spoken to Greg, but just normal people. But there was something about them on the golf course. Like Tiger, I, I, like they were both very explosive. Golfers and mm-hmm. they were both very exciting, really good to watch. They At made a lot moment, of birdies. Something can happen, can't something leave. can happen. Yeah. And they're going to take on yeah. danger rather than some guys. Like in my case, I probably play a little on the safe side. Mm-hmm. They don't seem to, they never seem to play on the safe side. So, um, I also think it was bigger in those days because if you wanted to see them, you had to go and see them. Absolutely. Now, with the advent of Foxtel and all this sort of stuff. You don't have to go to see the greats, whereas I think in the in those days, like that one hour episode that I watched, that was the only time I'd ever seen him, unless I later on I went to a golf tournament and saw him him play, play. and there were so many people you couldn't see anything anyway, really. But I think that was the uh, that was the key. So uh, yeah, so anyway, so then I just I gave up footy and gave up a few things and said I'm going to practice golf and. Off we went.
0: And, here. and did your dad ever come to terms with it? I'm sure later in life he must have done, but did he come to terms with the notion of you I, being a golfer?
1: Kind of. I, after I had the Ross River, I had a funny thing. Yeah, like I, I ended up uh, – I came back. I didn't play very well. And um, I had a few problems with my eyes and bits and pieces, which I didn't know until I met certain people along the way that said, can I help you? Mm-hmm. Can I have a look? Anyway, um, so when they – when they fixed my eyes, or my eyes got better, I started to, uh, I started to play better immediately, mm-hmm. and I, um, I got an invite to uh, the Singapore Open and a tournament in America on the PGA Tour called uh, Castle Pines. Yep. So,
0: Stableford um, the in, Stableford event. Up in the mountains. Up in you, the mountains. You did it four hundred yards yes. up there, couldn't yes. you? Fantastic yes. yes. stuff.
1: So uh, anyway, so I was a club pro at that stage. and anyway, I was like, oh, got to find my passport. So. You know, I'm looking everywhere. I can't find my passport. So I said to my dad, uh, yeah, you, you seen my passport? He said, Oh, yeah. I said, um, where is it? He said, Oh, it's gone. I said, well, What do you mean? He says, Well, he said, You don't play on tour anymore. So what do you, I said, Yeah, but where's it? Do you know where my passport is? He said, Yeah, I threw it out. I, was, I said, Why? He goes, Well, you're not a golfer. You're not going to travel. You've got a job now. There's no need to leave Australia. I binned it. <laughs> right. So, so I had to go up to Eastwood Police Station and uh, tell the sergeant, you know, when he said, you know, where's your passport gone? And I said, oh, my father threw it out. <laughs> yeah. I, I go had one of those moments where he's sort of looking over his glasses. <laughs> so you're telling me your father threw your passport? I say, yeah, that's exactly what happened. But uh,
0: just after the dog ate the homework. Yeah. So I think, uh, <laughs> you know, I
1: yeah, he was through my time when I first started. He was incredibly supportive mm-hmm. and. Um, I did actually say to him years later, What when did it change? And he when did you say, Okay, I'm gonna support him? And he goes, Well he said, Well he said one day, he said, I find it hard to believe that you put such a nice sentence together, but he said, Um If if I don't do this and give it a hundred per cent, I'll always I'll always feel like I missed something. i left something out there. And he said, um he said that's when I thought I'll serious i'll support you a bit and we'll see how you go so uh do you remember that do you remember saying that do you remember i can't remember that? saying that i can i can re- i can remember the passport thing like i was yesterday but the actual <laughs> I, I can't imagine i said something that you know eloquent that made such sense either but uh, <laughs> he, he swears that's where that was the turning point and um yeah so uh, you know and i was pretty good at mapping a course to get the most out of it and i sort of really stuck to it i was pretty mm-hmm. i'm pretty stubborn sort of person so uh yeah, so I think in the end he he accepted it, but I don't think it's what he envisaged my life to be.
0: Did he ever think, even after all of his success, that it was a real job, or was there somewhere uh, deep down did he uh, think to himself, you can't play golf for a living; that's a
1: proper job"? I don't know. I I you know I I like he was I think he was very proud mm-hmm. that you know I managed to make something out of something mm-hmm. that I'm sure he mm-hmm. didn't. I was off a of 4 handicap when I walked in and said, oh, I'm going to be a golf pro. So even when I look back at it now, I think <laughs> if some that to you, you'd like, be Like, come like, on, right? Like, you rest. can't be serious, can you? Yeah. So, you know, I'm sure, I, I'm sure he was proud of that or me staying alive or, you know, <laughs> still doing it, you know, 30 yeah. years later. But I don't think he considers it. It's not a real job. It's not a real job, yes. He's just lucky. Yeah. It's hard work. Lucky it's to be involved work, in that,
0: yeah. yes. So, uh, you know. I know the Americans have been it, but relationships with dads are funny things, aren't they?
1: What was yours? What's yours been like with your dad? I, oh, incre- I like, incredible. He's, uh, you know, like I said, he, you know... I, As you get to this time in life, I think you start to
0: think about those. You don't think about them your whole life. Yes. My dad passed seven years ago, and you start to think about it... In the last five or six years of his life, I started to think, and these days I think more about my relationship with him than I ever did yep. at the time. And I think that's an age thing. And you reflect on that stuff. Yes, don't you
1: reflect you? back. I like Dad's. Um, Dad's ninety three now, and he's got dementia. Yeah. So he, but he's still going. But you know, you know, terrible thing isn't that. Yeah, a terrible thing. But like, even like two or three years ago, I'd come in and you go, "Well, how's your training going?" And you know, I, I, I think in his scheme of things, and I suppose all parents have their ideas of what. Their kids are going to do. I, 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 think he thought I was going to grow up one day, have a normal job, <laughs> have a normal job Monday to Friday, play cricket or, or even play for the Bulldogs, Canterbury. <laughs> right. So he's a big Canterbury fan. As are so, you, I think. So I think as anyway. I am. Yes. I had no choice. Otherwise, I would have been. That's the only. <laughs> so you
0: move out. That was a no.
1: Uh, <laughs> no yeah, negotiation. No there. negotiation in that family. A part of the family, but um, yeah. So like even two years ago, he said, "How's your training going?" I said, "Oh, well." I don't really train that much, and oh well. Well, how, how are you playing? I said, well, I play alright, I suppose. He goes. I said, what do you think I do? He said, oh, you play for the Bulldogs. I went, oh no, I'm a, I'm a golf pro. <laughs> and the Look, of disappointment on his face was unbelievable. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I think over the years, I, I, I just, you're right. I don't think he ever thought it was a real job, as. Probably most people oh, of that generation of people generation will go, think you can't play be serious. Golf no. Yes. That's right. That's like even now it's I still, to do Even now I play some pro ams and I often get you know, what do you do for a living? Or <laughs> what do you do? yeah, You're well you know, but, golf. Well, I play golf, over. <laughs> how do you survive? That sort of stuff. You know. So, you know, it's not not far from the truth probably. Yeah. He probably still thinks to himself. Sometimes, if only you devoted yourself to the bank or the insurance,
0: look where you could be now with the energy you've put into golf. You put into a proper job, you That's could be right. really quite successful. <laughs> That's, that probably is right.
1: I, I don't. I actually don't think he ever really you thought, grow out of it, thought much about how much work you do put into it. No. So, like when I when I came back well, after my mother died, I came back just to spend time with dad and thing, and I lived with him. And I used to, I'd be getting up at five thirty and I'd leave. I go. Come home at seven o'clock. I, you know, I'd be here practicing all day. I was in two thousand and ten when I thought I can overcome my back issues and do all this sort of stuff. So I was, you know, and he'd be going, well, "Where have you been all day?" I go, oh, "I'm practicing." Oh, yeah, but where, what have you been doing? <laughs> I go, "Well, I've been practicing." <laughs> and even those days when the dementia was just starting to kick in, he'd still go, "Yeah, geez, you, geez, you practice a lot, don't you?" I go, "Yeah." He goes, "How long have you been doing this for?" I was like. 30 years, 20-odd <laughs> years. It's he the goes, job, Dad. He goes, oh, oh right. So, uh, yeah, so it's, it's one, just one of those things. Yeah. yeah. I'm, sure he, I'm sure he's proud of you. No, no yes, yeah, so I'm sure he's proud of it. it but he, uh, yes, but I, as far still as still thinking still it's a job, I'm, yeah. I'm not saying so One day cool. you'll yeah. grow out of it and yes. you'll get a proper job perhaps yeah. and
0: that'll be that'll exactly. be nice. Speaking of practice, I think a lot of people probably don't realize this. Run us through quickly what's a – a day in the life of a tour pro because we everybody thinks you play 15, 16 weeks a year. How hard could it be? You turn up on Thursday, you finish on Sunday, you get a great big check. You might do it the next week again.
1: What's the reality of practice for a, for a tour pro? Well, my like on the PGA, like when I was a trainee, I was at dawn till dusk. Um, I'd play. I I probably work about thirty hours a week. I think it was, and then the rest of the time was all just practice. That was when I finally twigged practicing. That's how you get better. Yeah, that's how you get better. I got a coach and had things to work on. It was an aimless practice, mm-hmm. but and then I'd, I'd go to the gym in the, at night, and then I'd go, to, like I said, driving range at night, and then I'd come home, and if I wasn't putting any good, I'd often go to Par- to um, Hodeland's Golf Club and shine the car lights on the putting green and putt, get home at 10 o'clock and do it again. So You had a bad, didn't you? Yeah, well, <laughs> I just... I was just a worker and I just like, that was the way it was. Um, once you start traveling and playing, practice becomes a little different. Um, you know, if I was at home in Orlando, like through, through England, I didn't really have anywhere to practice. So I'd go and get a few balls every now and then and just try and keep playing. Um, America, it was was an incredible, like my whole life really changed once I went to America. I bought a house on a, on a golf course, bought my golf cart, joined the club, get up in the morning, drive down, I chip for a couple of hours, you know, on these big greens that no, and there's, you know, there's <laughs> no one else there. No one else there. You go to imagine. the pro shop. Oh, how are you going? Oh, very busy today, Mr. Leonard. Oh, how many players you got? Oh, 32. <laughs> that sort of stuff. And I'm thinking, in my pro shop I used to run <laughs> I was say,
0: you've been a club 250, bro. 300 a day, <laughs> every right.
1: Saturday and Wednesdays and things like that. So, yeah, it was just an incredible experience. So on my weeks off, I, I'd, I'd train five days a week, so that's uh, five hours of training um, that's for gym fitness, work and gym work, and, yeah. yep, stuff like that. I, I actually had a, I ended up with a gym in my house. Um, Practice-wise, Orlando, I, I lived in Orlando. Orlando is pretty hot, so we used to do, or I used to do, I'd do four one-hour sessions, I'm not really counting the morning chip and putt, and then I'd usually play nine holes at night in a cart. If there's no like, you could shoot a gun and never hit anybody on that golf course. If there was never anybody there. So that's not real, is it? Is that a real life? That's not real life, is it? That's a surreal existence. That was my that was my real life then. It was it was it was really good. I was Pinch from time to time? Because you, you'd done a
0: real job and had a real life,
1: so you would have appreciated yes, perhaps very different more than some different from others. real life. You do become very secluded from reality i suppose because mm-hmm. you just do what you want to do you know if if someone's trying to get you to do something you don't want to do you just broke no, them that's right see you later so uh you know it was an incredible lifestyle it was like that for probably 10 years and um and it's a lifestyle that there's not many places in australia you can really get maybe sanctuary cove maybe mm-hmm. some something like that but uh Definitely nowhere in Sydney that you can we do We don't it. do
0: the gated community and those sorts of things they do in America so much here, do we? Which is. That's right. Which I've is, got to say, I quite like that. I wouldn't like to see Australia go that way necessarily,
1: but who knows what will happen in the Well, future. when I first moved there, I, uh, I, went, I was living in England at the time, and uh, I said to uh, Paul Gow, I said, where, where do you live? He said, oh, I live in um, Orlando in Florida. And I was like, Oh, that's where all the, you know, Norman and that live. And he said, Oh, not anymore. They've all moved to Jupiter and all this sort of stuff. So. Says, Is any good and, yeah and i said <laughs> uh any good he said oh yeah yeah good so so anyway so I, i'd been playing there for about eight weeks and uh originally i was just going to play a little bit and go back to england and play in europe and but i just got on a bit of a roll and it kept going and so i thought oh, i'll buy a house here so i said right oh so i went to uh went to orlando and i phoned up the uh first real estate agent that i could find in the book and uh I said, "Oh, hi! I'm, you know, I'm looking for a gated community." She said, "Oh, well, we don't have them." I said, "Oh, no! I'm sure you have a gated community." She said, "No, no, I've never heard of them." So anyway, so I'm going, oh, "No, I'm, I'm sure I've been to places. Are they they're everywhere? Everywhere you drive past, yeah. There's a, there's gated communities everywhere." She goes, I've, I'm, "Sir, I've never heard of such a thing." And I'm going, "I said, a gated community, you know, with the big gate at the front that opens and shuts, and you have control." And she goes. Oh, gated community. I thought you were saying gay community. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my first start in America. I was like, no, 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 gated community. So that was my first. So every time somebody says gated community, I think of that. <laughs> yeah. But it, yeah, once I got into the lifestyle, it was just incredible. Yeah. Incredible place.
0: When you look back now, do you think about that? Because it's a very different
1: life you have here yep. to that. Um, I don't look back at it. I have lots of different memories about playing, and certain things that are just off the charts as far as doors that open just because you played golf. Mm. I was like looking back at those sort of things, like Presidents Cups and PGA Tour
0: pro. I mean, you're royalty in lots of places in America, aren't you? If you play the PGA
1: Tour, yes, yes. It's, it's a you're 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 treated differently because you're a PGA Tour member, mm. and when people introduce you, like if I introduced. If one of my friends, if I introduce one of my friends, I'd say, "Oh, this is Joe," mm-hmm. and that's where it ends. Whereas you know, in America, they will say, "This is Joe. He played on the PGA Tour. This is Peter. He plays yeah. on the PGA Tour." This is Ch- he's a doctor. That's yeah. the way they do it. So, you know, it definitely gives you credibility. I suppose yeah. I don't know whether.
0: It's a little bit of celebrity. Just, it's a little, yeah, bit, a little, of, bit, little, little bit of everything. open mouth. Wow, those guys are amazing. I yes. play golf. I know how good that you have to be to do it. There's a lot of stuff wrapped up in it. Yes. That's a long way from the western suburbs of Sydney for a kid who grew up playing soccer and
1: rugby league, isn't it? Yes. Yes. It was like America just blows your way. It was like just that much bigger for everything. I think the first, I think when I first got my card, even I think the first year. I got offered more money to use a golf ball, which I was already using, than I'd made aggregate in my entire life on in sponsorship. It was just a totally different... You hear that stuff. I think you get desensitized. But that
0: is just extraordinary, isn't it? Yeah. If someone came to me and said, I'll give you everything you've made in the last 10 years just to do what you've been doing anyway for the next 12 months, I'd be... I don't know what I'd say.
1: Yes. A... I was like, really? I was like... <laughs> okay. Yeah. And... and uh, <laughs> there there was a different even the spectators at the golf wanted you to earn more money. Uh huh. There was never a like I, I like over the years there there was quite a few times when people would say, Oh listen, sorry you're only playing for five million this week. <laughs> we've let we've dropped the ball, <laughs> we'll get the prize money up further down the track and things like that. So it was a very different feeling. <laughs> So. <laughs> it, was very, it was a very different world. Yeah. Very different. If world. you'd thought about it, do you think you would have been comfortable? I feel like you kind of
0: rolled into it as part of your career and your golf, and you ended up in America, and that's how you, that's where you were. And you, you know, you were making the money, and you could live on the course, and you played the PGA Tour. I wonder whether, if you'd thought about it, whether it might have all felt a bit different and maybe odd. I'm not sure. Well, I think
1: you're only any good at it if you're not thinking about it. Maybe. I think. I don't think there's a there's a fine line to be. Where, like, to be honest, I just thought that would never end. Like, you just. This is right, where I am right? like, Yeah, like, I went to the tour school just for the fun of it. I got my card. Then, well, then you know, I had to go to a school where they basically teach you how they generate the money and how they do things. Um, and then, you know, all of a sudden they say, oh, we have a superannuation thing for the golfers. If you make 150 cuts or if you win a tournament, you're a fully vested member, then you can. It's a pretty good deal too. A, that's an incredible deal. deal. Yeah. And um, that's when I started to go, "Oh, hang on a geez, minute, this sounds <laughs> this sounds all right." Superannuation, because I I always remembered my father. like he was very careful with his money, and mm-hmm. superannuation was one of those things that he was all over me about from the time I was like 20. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to look after yourself for later in life and all that sort of stuff. Because the figures
0: are staggering. They? They're they're eye opening even for the players themselves. I would imagine. I mean, the first time you wake up and look in your bank and see. Something with six or three yeah. zeros behind it must be a oh
1: Jesus! Well, it just you don't have to touch. You don't even look at it. <laughs> yes. It's like I actually forgotten it was there in the end. Like when I when I lost my card in two thousand ten, uh, nine, I think it was. Um, you know, when I turned forty five, I just started getting these checks sent to me, <laughs> and I had to. I said, "Well, where are these coming from?" And the bloke goes, "Oh, this is your superannuations kicked in." So uh, wow. I was like, "Oh." Really? Do I? How much do I have? And it was nice bonus.
0: What keeps you motivated under those circumstances? Because for most of us, work is about, if you're lucky, you enjoy your work. But the truth of it is, if you don't get the check at the end of the week, you can't keep doing it. You're going to have to go and do something else. That's how most of us live. What keeps you motivated
1: once money stops being an issue? I think that just the desire to be good at what you do, I don't think... Is that what separates... I think that definitely separates some guys, definitely. I, like I, I've always – I've never really thought about it in my case, but, you know, guys like Tiger or guys that have won $100 million. And why did he come back from that scandal?
0: Why is To he, put himself through all of that? Why, why would
1: he? He didn't have to. He could have, yes. he could have retired. He but I, I think mentally you're just – or even from the – the day he started, like his first contract was seventy no, million dollars. Right. Sixty odd million was it, or something? And he didn't have twenty in his pocket to buy a pizza. Yeah, and I'm thinking, <laughs> how does he go to practice? How does he get up in the morning at six yeah. o'clock in the morning and practice all day till dark? When he's got that for money, for what? What's he doing it for? Yeah, yeah. Why, the, 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 all of a sudden money is just too, wiped out the The figures mind. are different,
0: but that's you too, isn't it? What, is it addictive? Are you hooked? Are you addicted to golf, something, or the competition, perhaps?
1: Well, I think to me now, that's my lifestyle. I've done it. What, 30, 30 years now? And um, it becomes – it. not that it feels like a job, it becomes like a job mm-hmm. where if I'm not – I hate not doing something and this is what I do. So for me to get up, get up in the morning and go and practice all day is just the way life is and I've done it forever and habitual maybe. Yeah,
0: I'm sure. It a must bit be, of everything
1: and it fills in fills in time. Yeah. Everybody who I know that's retired – the first thing they say is, oh, you're a long time retired. And,
0: you know. Well, there's two types. There's those, and then there's the people who say, I don't know how I ever had time to work. They're the other yes. type of retirees. Yes. They're yes. the two types of people, yes. I think.
1: Yes, so like my father, he retired. He was he was retired for a year and then went and got another job and worked until they said, listen, you can't work. And <laughs> That's so, right, we're banning you. Yeah, so it was like, I, I think I'm a bit like him. I, you know, I want to... Got to be doing something. I've got to be doing something. I can't sit around like I don't. Can even, you like, sit and watch hours. a whole
0: movie in one sitting?
1: I can't. Oh, I can watch a movie, yeah. I, I'm not not to the stages of my cat. I've got a caddy, and he's he's been caddying for me for about four or five years now, and um, like he'll he'll watch movies all day every day. Back but back back. I can't, no, do, can't that. do that. I'll watch one movie and then I'm out. i have to get up do and go and walk. I've yes. got to do. I've got to move. Yes,
0: he's got to move. Yeah, Of course, Pete. One of the things that's happened for you in the last couple of years.
1: Is your own child. Yes, we had a little accident. <laughs> ch- ch- changes life a bit, doesn't oh, it? Oh, yes, that's, that's really changed the focus of practising. There's, there's actually been a couple of times here early on when I came up to the range to hit some <laughs> golf balls. Or the, I might just go have a sleep in the locker room, <laughs> and, which I've never had that feeling before. But, uh, yes, it's, it's, it's interesting. I, I've got to say I take my hat off to any kids that have them while they're on tour mm-hmm. and like on the pga tour it's a little different you know they all have nannies and it's yeah, still kids still cry around, and they cry for you and they don't want you to
0: leave and but they're very time
1: consuming yeah. and you know, it, it, it's been an interesting ride so far she's like two weeks old, two month, uh, sorry 22 <laughs> months old so nearly two so she's a. Uh, well we we'll just getting to the fun part though, uh, yeah she's stubborn as hell so she's but are you in her you think uh, she's me yeah she's massively me you probably deserve that yeah it's gonna be <laughs> There's gonna be a payback there's no doubt about it it's a yeah uh, yes so we've uh, but she loves sports you know i'll take her to the I'll take her to footy bulldogs games mm-hmm. is yeah, that the, a
0: rule for her too
1: it's bulldogs yes. or you move out bulldogs or nothing yep. bulldogs or follow afl I yeah or we'll do something yeah. else that's something right like yeah. that. but um so far she's uh she's on board she uh She'll wear all the Bulldogs kit and won't take her eyes off the game and that sort of stuff. What does, change? I mean, golf becomes, I imagine,
0: way down the list of thinking, after a, as work does for most people once you have a kid. What does sort of change? What changes about your own perspective, perhaps? And do you feel like work slash golf for you now is a different thing? Do you approach it differently? Do you think about it differently? Is it true that double bogeys aren't as important anymore? Is it? It's ooh, uh, you're just bristling at the mention of double bogeys. So well, maybe that hasn't changed.
1: Yeah. I think I've I've had Yvonne at the time when I know my golf career is limited. Mm-hmm. So I've probably got, at best, three or four good years left, um, as long as I can keep my back going and all that sort of stuff. Um, so, you know, part of me wants to play more. Because the window's closing. Because the window's closing. Um, but... It's a whole different world as far as I want to play. Obviously, the bigger money, particularly for seniors, is overseas. Mm-hmm. You know, can I do it with a family? Can I... Yeah, it's, it's very... There's a lot to consider. There's a lot of, lot of things to consider. So, um, you know, it's been a bit of a messed up ball. You know, everyone's going, well, why don't you go play in America? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? But... Life's changed, hasn't that's it? A, so, um, I spend most of my time here. I can play a lot of the ones around Sydney and or Australia, and you know, yeah, um, Queensland and Melbourne. there's yeah, enough. In. Throw them in the truck, and we drive around. And you know, we like a couple of months ago, we went and played in Perth, played a couple of senior ones, then played a couple of flat belly ones. Mm-hmm. I actually trucked my truck over to Perth, and we okay. we drove all the way up to Broome and Port Hedland oh, nice. and we combine a whole lot of it. It was great stuff, fun. Yeah. It was really good. It, it's still hard work. But, you know, it was good that we were all together. And What's the truck, by the way? I was going to ask you. Oh, it's cars. just a, a four-wheel drive. Um, it's like a
0: Colorado, I suppose. Right. Yeah. Okay. Golf's probably the most selfish pursuit that I can imagine, particularly if you're going to be a touring professional. It's all about you and your game. Not in a bad way, but that it has to be to be yes. successful. Parenthood is the complete opposite of that.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. It's a. a yeah. It's one of those ones... Where if you're going to play your best, you've got to be – you've got to have all your – It's a team effort, isn't it? Everything's got to Wives, be together. parents, And if they're not trainers. falling – in if they don't fall into line to make it right, you may as well not do it. So, you know, it's very t- – for my wife who's never been involved, she's come after the serious golf. Uh-huh. So it's definitely a progression of working out where we all sit in relation yeah. to the golf. and
0: Because as a non-golfer, like all non golfers she wouldn't understand the five hours doing the gym work and the all-day at the course and leave at 5.30 and come home at 7. In fact, as a non-golfer, she probably thinks it's the opposite
1: of that. Yes. Well, most people think, well, you, you, got know, all you play free. golf, it yeah. doesn't Monday it doesn't to Wednesday, matter. you're off. But you've got to treat it like <laughs> yeah. a job. It's, yeah, just, it's, it's just a job. Yeah. So you've got to get up and do all the work. So, you know, she's been very good um, so far. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, I'm uh, But... For the, over the next three or four years, as like a Ruby's cube trying to put trying everything to, together and keep everybody happy, and because
0: of course you've done the worst thing imaginable when you have gone away and played, you've played really well. Second in the Senior opening, your first ever start, third in the big PGA just a couple of weeks ago. When you've teed it up, you've taunted yourself by playing really well and having good finishes. Yeah, well, yeah. It'd be that, easier if you were just missing cuts and shooting thousands. You could yes. say, "Oh, look, I'm done."
1: Well, that, I think that was my—that's been my biggest problem over the over the time. I've never gone, even when I was injured, I never went so far off the map shooting 80s, because then it'd be easy to go, That's I'm done, it's time to go, yeah. but now I still shoot, I don't shoot the really low ones, but I still shoot under par pretty consistently, you know, and you only get so many windows to sneak into America mm. or mm. even to Europe, the British, the Open, the Senior Open probably was my best opportunity, and I re- like, looking back at it, I probably really should have. I had a good chance of winning that. Um, Rogovoy
0: says there's could've's and should've's for tournament wins. So which one was that one? Do you reckon? Was it a should've
1: or a could've? The a fine line there sometimes, isn't there? It? Yes, it's right on the edge of both. I reckon either it's like to win you have to you have to do something a little special, or you have to do not make mistakes. And I made a couple of little mistakes and never really never really caught him. Yeah. And then at the end, when it all finished, I missed a part on the last, but my brain had turned off because I, I knew I had to win to get to the next level. But that sort of got the door ajar. Um, but the timing was no good because Yvonne was just about to arrive, so I just had to come home and do that and then, um, be around for the birth of Yvonne. So then this year was the same sort of thing. I was going to go play a fair few. Didn't really fit. Well, with the family side of things, so uh, you know, I said, "Well, I'll go and pl- try. I'll qualify for the senior open, which I missed, which I just couldn't, which I was devastated about." And I, you know, all of a sudden, I thought, "I'll I'll go home," and I thought, "I'll stay for one more week and play." And of course, I finished second, and then I'm thinking, oh, geez, <laughs> "I'd love minute. to stay a little bit longer because bits and pieces get you uh-huh. into senior opens and U.S. opens next that's year." Right. That, that's right. So but there's coming later again, It's yeah, like the, when you
0: first start out. It's
1: just opening the door. So uh, you know, to let that go was pretty hard. I've got to say, it was a bit of a long flight home, but uh, now I've, it's fine. It's I've, it's I've had a really good run.
0: but You can't turn that off, can you? And if you could, you probably wouldn't be as successful as you have been.
1: Yes. I think the com- competitiveness is what drives you to keep playing and practicing and doing all that. The hard yards, you know, like I think in all sports, they talk about the hard yards. When golf, the hard yards is number one, doing all the practice and being regimented enough to do it consistently because it's boring. It's like you can only hit so many golf shots, you can only hit so many putts, um, and to be doing it 30 years down the track, probably not with exactly the same vigor, but still, still doing it. That's um, what your competitive side, and then of course, once you actually get into a tournament and things become serious, there's a feel, I, I think I'm a little numb to it compared to what I was years ago. I don't think I get as pumped up, or I, like there's not as much as adrenaline as there used to be, but... There's nothing better than that moment when you have to hit shots and and do things that under a bit of pressure.
0: Under the pressure. I remember mm. Tiger describing it once as when your eyeballs are sweating because there's so much pressure. That's when you know you're that's right.
1: When your eyeballs are <laughs> sweating. <laughs> you know, yes, right. Well, I don't think pretend. I ever quite got to that one. But, uh, <laughs> a, yes, where your hands are shaking and you, yeah, you're thinking, "No, oh, don't make a fool of yourself." Bits and pieces like that. So I'd like to
0: win a golf tournament, a proper golf tournament. I mean, we've all won a Wednesday comp, you know, there's twelve markers and all the rest of it. But to win a proper golf tournament against a field of proper golfers, world class players, and you've done that—you did it in America, you've done it here in Australia, multiple times. Um, what is the feeling, and what what goes on on that back nine, and the, as the leaderboard changes
1: and the cheers go up? And- it's different. It's different. Like if I look, like if I look back at my career or when I played, I was actually more nerve. Like in all tournament golf, there is always. There's some guys that go way ahead after the first two days, and then come back on the weekends. I was always the other guy that I didn't get into that content. I always tried to work out how to get in content. I'll shoot those really low scores Thursdays and Fridays because once I got into contention, I felt really comfortable, and I felt I I I was always prepared to lose lose it trying to win it. Uh-huh. I had no mentally, I had no problem doing that. I suppose ball striking wise was probably my best thing. So I had, I felt that I had little chance of blowing it from hitting it poorly. Uh So maybe that had something to do with the way I thought. Uh Um, So you know, every tournament that I ever had, every tournament that I won, something different happened. So the first, the first one, which was probably my best one. Was the '97 Masters? I we all um, remember that. What a Tiger was there, was. and it was just a big, really big week. Incredible. Did I play with Tiger on the, the on the Saturday? There's some stories about that, which we'll come to shortly. And, um, we'll get to the fun part of the interviews. You know, and I was just a club pro. So, I the thing was, I'd, I'd been playing tennis. I'd finished second probably in a year and a half before that, probably six or seven times, I reckon. So, I was quite attuned to playing in front of people, but the actual pressure. To win was very different in that tournament, which I'll never forget. It's like uh, you know, little bits and pieces that I'll, I'll always remember from that tournament. But um, I don't. Every moment's special. Sometimes you get in front and you've got to not make a mistake. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're chasing people. Sometimes you. There's always something that, and even in moments of my career that I re- look back and say that changed the whole direction of my career. There's always a little bit of luck in there mm-hmm. somewhere. Just some you get a bounce or yeah. something and it all holds together and it's like a game maker and then off you go, you keep going. So you make a par that issue yeah, or you, yes. you, you make a birdie you should, yeah, you, definitely. You, sometimes you say the bogey that could have been much yeah. worse
0: and yep. and that's what that's the difference. Before we come to the ninety seven months, which obviously was crucial and everything really happened after that. That of course came on the back of this Ross River fever. Yep. Most people know that you had it. What was it? We heard horror stories of you ballooned to 130 kilos, that <laughs> you couldn't drive your car to the doctor without falling asleep at the lights, that you couldn't drive a manual car anymore because you didn't have the energy. Is there any truth in any of that? What was Ross
1: What is Ross River? Yeah, Rathema? it was, it was it like a – it wasn't a horror story. So the Ross River was basically – gave me arthritis. That was the first symptoms that I had, Um elbows and shoulders and – How old were you at the time? You are only young. 24? I was 24. Yeah, I was super fit, really, yeah, really, yeah. Athletic fit, really athletic. Yeah. Um I'd been, I'd actually gotten to the stage where I, I, I was training a lot, and it was funny enough before that, before I went down with the the Ross River, I actually uh, I had a fitness test, and they they'd actually said to me, your your body your, your body fat is lower than a triathlete, right? So you're too too low, too low. You need yes. To- if you get if you get sick or a virus, it's going to really knock you on, oh, okay. on you your on your backside.
0: Have, you won't be able to fight. And
1: it. of course. I, like in those days, same thing, no internet, none of that. So, you know, I'm thinking, well, surely the fitter I am, the better I am. Mm. So, anyway, sure enough, two weeks later, I get a bit of a sore elbow, don't really think much of it, get on the plane, go to England. And uh, by the time I get there, I can't move my arm barely, and I'm getting these headaches that are just off the charts. And so, anyway, so getting a tropical disease. In London, (laughs) on
0: top of the diagnosis list, is it?
1: (laughs) Yeah, so you know, I go to the doctor. The doctor says, you know, there's nothing wrong with you. Look at you, look how fit you are. Yeah, bit of a hypochondriac, this sort of stuff. So I took a week off, couldn't walk because it got into my knee. Like my knees had like arthritic sort of thing symptoms again, and uh, that went for three months, and then it disappeared. No problem. Went back to golf. Completely disappeared. No problem. Everything went back to normal. Wow. And uh, that was fine. And then uh, I played. I think that was the year I missed my card by a hundred quid. And then the last couple of weeks, I got like a cold, and it all came back again. And then I hung around for about a month, the arth- the arthritis side of it. And then one day I woke up, it was all gone, and I just couldn't think straight. Like just had no. So it was like a chronic fatigue sort of right. sort of thing. Um, and then that was it. So I, I couldn't. Do any, I, I was just exhausted. So that went on for probably seven or eight months, tried everything, you know. Um. And did you know during that? Did, had you been diagnosed in the meantime that it was Ross River? Well, the, the original sure. one was Ross River. Um, and then later on, the doctor said, Oh, listen, I, you've got, I think he called it yuppie flu or something, which was chronic fatigue, which right. supposedly was chronic fatigue. So when he said it, I'm thinking, well, I'm not much of a, yuppie I would have called myself a yuppie right. but anyway so so I was just yeah it just flattened me for months and months and months and over that time I put on 35 kilos so I went from I was 80 kilos I went to 115 kilos wow. um tried all sorts of things like so vitamin supplements injections all sorts of things what's causing the weight gain is it because you're eating to try and get well, energy just, or well in those days nobody really spoke about you know what you're eating or any of that sort of stuff so I had more spare time for starters. So, and I, I reckon I craved the sugars in food that, cause it made me, gave me a little hit for of a, energy. Yeah. Five, 10 minutes. felt great. And then I'd go back to normal. So I just got bigger and bigger, bigger. I didn't even know, like, I didn't notice it. But, uh, anyway, so it was quite noticeable, apparently. <laughs> <what> You'd think. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, like, even when I came back, I felt okay. And it was like a general progression. I you know, I'd walk one hole one day, two holes the next day. Is there a and treatment? Slowly look, build up. There's nothing they can do. So, so you've just, just got to just sit it out.
0: Walk out the other side. Yeah, of it. So
1: I just sat at home and did nothing for eight, nine months really, right. I suppose. And that's when I put on all the weight. Does it affect um, you emotionally? Surely there must be I was, if not depression
0: there I must suppose, be close to it at some point.
1: That's horrendous. like depression wasn't a trendy word in those mm. days, so in those days it was Toughen up, Nancy. There's nothing nothing wrong with you. Cup of cement, that sort of stuff. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I suppose looking back at it, I I probably was depressed in some manner, shape or form. Um, You know whether that prolonged the Mm -hmm. the rehabilitation, I don't know. Um, But in the end, I slowly came out of it and had the desire to get out there somehow. And you know, I slowly got fitter and fitter over time, and then my golf still wasn't great. I had a lot of trouble putting and doing things like that and uh so I uh I got offered a job at Oatlands. the, the head professional there he left and went to New South Wales golf clubs and offered me they offered me a job because I was a trainee there and I had a very good relationship with them at the time. So I mentioned to my father who went straight down there and <laughs> took the job for me. <laughs>
0: great. You grabbed your passport on the way out the door and <laughs> chucked
1: it in the bin. <laughs> yeah, so uh yeah, so anyway, so I was very I was lucky enough I took it. Um and that went really well. For, and, you know, in the first year or first probably six months, there was a doctor that was an eye surgeon, um, ophthalmic surgeon there. And he, great came, thing
0: about being a club pro. You've got every doctor got imaginable every, in the every, membership, every, haven't you? Everything incredible. <laughs> so he came
1: in one day and said, Oh, listen, I don't want to make business for myself, but what you had can really affect your eyes. Um, everyone says, cause I was playing the Wednesday comp with the members and that everyone says you're the worst brother they've ever seen. Maybe it's your eyes. If you want me, I'll have a look at it. So I went in there and he said, yeah, sure enough, your eyes are terrible. Okay. And he sent me to all these experts, like eye exercises and all this sort of stuff. And um, over a couple of months, they, they improved a lot. And my, and my golf really came, came good. I started, you know, shooting good scores only in the Wednesday comps and that. Oh, well. and, um, and then as it turned out, I'd somehow, in those days, top 100 kept their card in Australia Top sixty was exempt. Top hundred maintained your membership to the PGA status. Yeah. So uh, somehow I ended up ninety ninth the year before, and uh, which gave me a chance to pre qualify. And I asked the cl- like because uh, I was playing so well in the members comps and that the members said, "Why don't you go and try and qualify?" So I went down the Australian Open and qualified, and then finished. Metro? The uh, Westwood winner it at Metro uh, Kingston Heath. It was. 95 Metro was No that would have been
0: Metro 97 No it was Kingston
1: Heath It was Kingston Heath The first Australian Open that I played So that would have been 95 I I reckon yeah,
0: Norman made headlines complaining about the watering the front of the seventeenth green. If you remember that, and that was a huge stink about it. Is that right? Out there with that. Graham Grant, and the TV cameras on him, and Norman. Actually, fan, you, you are right. You yes. know, it was yes. all soft down. You can't bounce it in here. It's not like the rest of the course. You bounce it in. Yeah, it was yes. fantastic. No, yeah. yes, you Great are stuff.
1: right. <laughs> yes, so uh, that was the. Uh, and then I just kept making cuts, and all of a sudden I've got my card, and you know the right. members got into it so much when I came back. The you know the committee said, "Oh, why don't you just." do it again. It's good for the club too, isn't it, to have well, it actually a good player generated in the play a really shop. good sure. you know, a lot of interest in the club and you know morale and all that sort of stuff and so so off I went and then I just started playing better and better and better, and then I go back to the club job for six or seven months and then go out and I somehow maintained to keep doing it mm-hmm. and uh, and it all turns we on
0: that tiny little being 99th instead of 101st. Yes. Might have been a couple hundred
1: bucks. Yeah, probably that most in, the, in those days. Yeah. So it was a, uh, you know... Funny thing, laughing. Yes, it? I look back at that <laughs> that moment, and then even the, the, the first Australian Open that I played, I was going to miss the cut coming down the last couple on the, about the 16th hole. And uh, I was right on the cut line. I sort of hooked a second shot, and it was, it was going up against the fence and hit an auto bin and bounced out. And I chipped it up to a foot, tapped it in, par, birdie to make the cut on the mark. I shot eight under on the weekend, finished top ten. Halfway thought, yeah. And there's so your the, the career starts. As it, it turns out, 30 that's years where later, it all
0: started, Yeah, the career starts. It's quite amazing. Isn't so it? yeah, The 97, obviously, the Australian Masters, was a really special week and I think we all remember it from watching. It was, it's one of it was those incredible, fantastic yeah. stories that yeah. Guy steps, it's not quite, but the narrative, Guy steps out of the club pro shop and wins the Australian
1: Masters with Tiger Woods in the field. Yeah, yeah, it was a uh, <laughs> You know, all the questions were. Not a thing to be a part you know, of. What's it like playing, coming, you know, playing for second spot? I remember. I think they asked Allenby that, oh, and he, he bore threw the toys out of the kite or oh, something. Big time, yeah. Yeah, so it was a. Uh, He's
0: just another golfer. Yes,
1: said, yeah. and you know, after playing with him, he yeah, he, wasn't, <laughs> he was another golfer. He wasn't really. A I want to ask you about that because you did play with him on the Saturday. A couple. Of, uh, that's a hell of a thing to do any time, But what was your memory of that? I think a couple of funny things might have happened. Yeah, I. Uh, well, I. I over the over all the years, when I came down to Melbourne, I used to stay with a family that used to put me up, and, uh, you know, for years they'd been following me, there was a group of guys, the three or four guys that would come out and follow every game, you know, whether I was last in the field, first in the field, well, I was very rarely first in the field, <laughs> but last in the field, they'd come out and watch me anyway, so Masters, all of a sudden I'm, I'm playing really well, and I... uh there was a there was a couple of, there was a lot of stories about that time because it was actually the first time I took my parents to. Uh-huh. Um, even though I played a lot of tournaments mm-hmm. and they don't like going to tournaments because they don't want to make me nervous and all this sort of stuff hiding behind uh, trees yeah, all that, that sort of that stuff. stuff. That's my mother. Yes. Yeah. So. Uh, so Everything anyway, so. My I think, Pete. To be honest with yes, you. Probably, yes. So. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So that was quite something. And then you know I put them up at the at the Como Hotel, which was a pretty richy hotel. Not and, cheap. That's right. And my parents were very um, down to earth. Down to earth and you know, wouldn't waste money, you know, live well within their means. And uh, what do you think of the Como, Mum? Oh, it's a bit dirty and derelict, isn't it? I, I said, what do, you, what do you mean? She goes, well, there's no furniture because it was one of those trendy sort of joints. I said, oh, yeah. She, I said, yeah. I said, no, I think that's the way it's supposed to be. And she goes, oh. And I'd never stayed in a hotel like that. So I didn't know. You're just pretending. I had no idea. <laughs> that's right. And she goes, oh, yeah, but there's, you know, there's people hanging around there. It just doesn't seem quite right. But anyway, so what had happened was Kiss were in town that week and Kiss had booked out the top two floors. And so it was all just kiss. Right. Like, <laughs> long hair, Yeah, long Painted hair. Faces. Studded belts and all this sort of other Earrings in the nose. And the other one was Bruce Springsteen was in town as well. So we had another floor <laughs> or something. So, yeah, so I probably didn't pick the right week to have the coma there. But anyway, so that's fine. So that was good. And then after the first two rounds, I shot eight under. I think the leaders were like 15 or 16 under at the time. And I was the same score as Tiger. And my mates were gone. No.
0: Was that a thing even then? Because he hadn't won the US Masters then, obviously, I don't think. It
1: was before. Uh, no, it was
0: before. It was he won last.
1: Yeah, it was in February, so That's it was just right. before so he won it.
0: It was a big deal. He yeah. played the Oz Open the year before and he was the
1: next big thing, but he wasn't there yet. Yes, he hadn't quite No, really but he was still big, so it was a thing? Yes, he was, was, well, he was known to everybody as the next, yeah. the big kid coming through and he's going to be unbelievable and all that sort of stuff. And he used to hit it so much further than everybody else to start with. Um, I'll be him either if I remember back then oh you skinny skinny kid you'd been 60 kilos yeah. if of you yes one. and yeah, uh, and my friends would go no please don't be play playing with you know Tiger for, for once in our lives <laughs> you're right up on the field and now we're not going to be able to see anything because you're <laughs> playing time. with bloody Tiger <laughs> so you know there was a big uh, you know who are about that so in those days you used to have to phone the tournament office Friday night and you know hi it's Peter on here <laughs> um, uh, oh. i like can you? Can I have my time, please? I'm off at. I'm eight under par. So, yes, But well, You had to tell them. Yes. Yeah, so you <laughs> tell the lady at the thing, and she scan the thing, and she, oh, yes, uh, Peter, Eight under. That's true. That's right. You're, you're playing at uh, eleven fifty or whatever it was. And uh, I said, I oh, can. Do you think you could tell me who I'm playing with, please? Oh, yes. You're playing with uh, Tiger Woods. I was like, bloody hell. <laughs> All right. Okay. That's fine. I don't know whether playing the Wednesday comp at Oakland's <laughs> It's <laughs> really preparing me for this, but okay, no problem. So, had you seen anything of him before that? Had you seen him on the range just, or seen him hit shots anywhere? I hadn't seen him anywhere? hit any you shots. Hadn't I hadn't seen any. I, like oh, the papers were just covered sure. with him. But you um, played with world class players. I played with a few players, but like you're not, like not going to be blown away like. by this kid, shit yeah, So I was, good, I was sort but, of semi-ready, yeah. but he had another. He was another level. So anyway, so that's fine. So my first mistake was. I let him walk to the first tee first. Right. So off he just, and there's oh, hundreds, thousands of people. Oh, that, the place yeah. was just jockers. And they had a little putting green behind the clubhouse, and then they had the first tee. So anyway, I so said, he's at the tee. Now I've got to get to the first tee. <laughs> I was dead set impossible. It's like, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, what? I've got to play with this guy. I'm on the first tee. So finally, you know, we get there. You know, my friends have been complaining all day, all night, about we're not going to bloody see a thing. And I walk out on the first tee and I, I look backwards and my uh my, one of my closest friends that I'd been staying with forever, he's a, he'd probably be five foot tall, I don't know how tall but he's a little shorter. And he was the one complaining the most. And I turned around and he was a foot higher than everyone and he what he had he'd stopped off at Bunnings on the way to the thing, I don't think it was Bunnings, but one of the hardware store and he'd bought a stepladder. So he was standing above everybody, you know
0: <laughs> already a thing. So, big grin on his face. Yeah,
1: big grin on his face. So, um and off we went. It was a it was an incredible experience. The thing about the Masters was, it used to have, it was like, it was like the Melbourne Cup. It was a vibe, wasn't it? Yeah, there was a there was there's a vibe about it, and they had all walks of life. Like Thursdays, they I don't know whether Hari Krishnas or whatever, but they there'd be grou- a group of them would turn up, and they just watch the golf, which didn't make any sense to anybody, but they were there. It's the Masters, that's yeah, what it was, uh, wasn't that's, it? Yeah, there was just it was an event. It was. It was an unbelievable event. You know, Sunday was always, there was a bunch of blokes that, you know, were probably in their twenties, would sit right on the back of the third green. They'd watch every group come through. They'd drink, they'd drink, they'd drink. And then at the end of the day, they'd try and play cricket on the third green and they'd get kicked out. It was they were there tradition. every year. It was like, it was the tradition part of the, that was part of the tradition. It was always, <laughs> if you're in the last groups, there was always kerfuffle and it was always those blokes getting kicked out. Um, you know, things like that. So off we rock with Tiger. He was a great bloke. Well, that's a professional um, respect, isn't
0: there? I mean, yes. You know, he's, yes. no, he's no better than you in in your that's arena. Right. Yes, you're both pros so, and
1: you're both trying to win. Yeah. So we, I, I, I can't remember a lot of it. I, I remember, I do remember we the, about the sixth hole, six, seven, eight, 9, sixth is a par five that runs down the road, and um, it, was, it wasn't that windy that day. in... I'd hit my driver and I think he hit an iron and we were right next to each other. So his, his one iron went about as far as my driver. Mm-hmm. And we were still using the Ballada golf ball. So. is that unusual? For I mean, you would have played with a lot of guys. You, you weren't short, were you? Was that a bit of a... Ooh. Yeah, that was... You know, okay. the only guy that was... There was probably a couple of guys on tour that would be of similar sort of thing. Like one would be Ogle, um, Norman, maybe, and and Lindsay Stevens. Okay. Like he was seriously long in his day with like when you're talking about wood yeah, 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 and yeah. things
0: like that fantastic temper too one of the great spitters
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes well luckily i never saw that they uh but yeah will so tell we, you a
0: story about him shortly which you'll really enjoy uh, yeah
1: so, <laughs> yeah so we had like 228 yards to the hole i remember it and so i hit my one iron up there to about 10 15 feet so very happy with myself that's a hell of a shot nice shot up the hill bounced it up the hill and he looked at, he, he, Fluff was getting for him in those days. That was before he went to um, Furick and Tiger went to Steve Williams and he said, uh, it gave him exactly the same yards. He said, oh, five iron. And I I, I heard Fluff say, oh, you don't need to smash it. And I thought, <laughs> what? Anyway, he hit this five iron. Like, honestly, it was like I was going to the moon and I landed probably just past the flag, bounced all the way off the back. So he flew it probably 230 with the old balls uh-huh. and then he chipped it in. For eagle, and he's running down and fist pumping, fist pumping yeah. that fist pump that he does, and, and the like the hairs on the back of your neck were standing up, and I'm thinking, oh, I don't know whether I'm going to be able to putt <laughs> the next you,
0: one. Oh, you become a spectator, don't you? Well, you
1: yeah, I was. It was uh, incredible. So, uh, and then the next hole, there, there was like a the seventh hole was a par five that's just surrounded in tea tree, so it was either like fairway or tea tree, and hit in the tea tree and had a bit of trouble from then. And somehow I got him. I don't. I still look back at. A, I can't remember the whole day, but I. The fact that I actually beat him, mm-hmm. I can't work out how it happened. It doesn't make any sense. But i managed to, and there was, there, was a, uh, there was probably a feather in my cap that I <laughs> never got to <laughs> feather again. <laughs>
0: when you, as a pro, see that, when you're first exposed to that, you, you, that's a little look into the future. Every generation has one, don't they? Jack was yes. that to Bobby yes. Jones, and uh, uh, Sneed was that to, to Hagen. It, yep. that, that's the progression. Do you know that you're seeing something there? And then, what does it make you think as a pro? thing, well, this is what I'm now playing against for I the rest knew, of my
1: career. I knew that was special at the time. To- at the time, I was still a club pro. I still really had no. I, what I decided was, I'm not leaving my club job unless I win. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't won by then. So, and there were only two more for the rest of the year to go. So, as far as I was concerned, I was still a club pro, and I, I was using. I was using a trial set from my from my pro shop, <laughs> pro shop. had price tags on them, cause, which I'd actually forgotten had the price tags on until I played with Freddie Couples at, uh, where was it? Um,
0: Hope Island, I guess. Hope
1: Island. Yeah. And he goes, what's that on the bottom? You can see your name tags. I said, no, they're, it's a price tag from my pro shop. He goes, what do you mean? So that, that's yeah, – so, <laughs> Do you
0: reckon Fred Couples has ever paid for – it? he probably doesn't know that you pay for golf clubs.
1: Probably not. not sure not. he's ever probably played not. in his life. It's Probably, probably not. <laughs> not. I've worked it out the last few years. <laughs> I always thought you open up your locker every week and there was there's four dozen balls, balls in there. Balls and shoes and all that No, they're stuff. bloody yeah. expensive. So, uh, yes, but th- like that moment was incredible. And we still weren't a good chance of winning the tournament. I, I don't think the, the leaders didn't move, but we got – Well, was I got four shot shots got closer again. 64? I shot four, 69. So, I went four under, four under, four under, four under. Oh, of course, you did too, yeah. What yeah, are so yeah, I 64. slowly got – near them and then reeled them in and then we got them on the last day so uh the last day i really can't remember much i can i can remember i was to, i was on the back on the 16th green I, I made a par and i remember walking off the green and seeing two sumo wrestlers in the full garb which was something the masters threw at you every now and then it was like but like in the full yeah it's, robes and yeah, the yeah, hair yeah done up yeah. and the thing i like if he wasn't 350 pounds, you know, 150 kilos, or something. at a golf tournament. Up. Yeah, just standing on the back of the green with their arms folded, like as you would. And so I remember, I remember that. And then the 17th, which the course is way different now, but in the 17th hole used to be a brutal hole. And I hit one down the fairway, and I was thinking, well, if I par the next two, I'm a chance here. And they're the two hardest holes on the course, so there's a possibility you're not going to. And as I walked off the tee, there was a kid. Well, not a kid; he's probably 20 year old twenty odd and he uh drunker than ten men and he was with a mate and his and his girlfriend and he looked at me and he goes Don't choke, Lonard and then he put his hands around his neck and fell to the ground going ah, 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 like this. Seriously. Uh, and I remember that i will never forget that. I was, at that moment it was actually good for me, because I was like to fire you upn't it, it really it? fired me up what like the is this kid. I'm not choke I'm not gonna choke. So Wow, it, it was a. It was probably something I didn't need, but it, maybe he was hoping it had hurt me. I don't know, but it worked the other way. I was, just, I was, was like, I was adamant, I'm gonna mm-hmm. get this in the house and see what happens. And uh, as it turns out, um, I think Peter O'Malley had a very like he lipped out to beat me by a shot. He hit it left Could of do. the green and, yeah, chipped it, yeah, yeah. and hit the hole, mm-hmm. um, and then so, we had a playoff. Which is unlucky for Pete. He doesn't miss many putts, Pete. Oh, he chipped it.
0: Oh, cool. Sorry, he lived out with the chip. There, no. <laughs> yes, he lived out with that, That's unfair, isn't it, actually, on Pete? And and most really good ball strikers get this reputation for not being great not putters. Not being able to putt. But it's, in
1: fact, they just hit it so close so often. Yes. I was discussing that with one of my playing partners today. I was like, you know, you, Probably you like you hit it really well. you too, don't you? you? You hit it. Yeah, so yeah I was well. always known as so many my putting isn't that good, but if you hit a lot of greens. 15 greens. You're going to hit, 15 you're going to hit. It. If you, if you, if you're seen as though you hit it really close all the time, you're hitting it to 10 feet. And the amount of 10 footers that people hold is negligible. Yeah, so that's I right. I think they've done all the testing on yeah, it. Yeah, that's and, right. The, the, you know, unless you're in five foot. That's right.
2: It, it, it
1: diminishes it's exponential. rapidly. Yeah, that's right. So 10, ten feet is almost unthinkable. Yes. Statistically. Yes. Continu- continuously hold them. So you, like you see guys have runs, but over a period of time, it's what made that Spieth 2015 his right. 25 foot make percentage was just was crazy they'd incredible. never seen it before it was, yes. it was
0: just this blip and you know of course exactly. it can't last And yes. and, uh, and there you go that was the start of something but you've been a fantastic international campaigner as an Australian but you've been a fantastic Australian player I feel like you're one of those players who Australian golf fans know because you they just come back and played. You played and you won here. You were always a contender every summer. You know, I'd write the preview stories for tournaments. Lonard was always one of the names. Lonard mm. is always a chance in Australia. Was there something special about playing here? Do you think, or is it just a comfort zone? Or I think what do you think about that because you've left it. We'll talk about your legacy in a minute. Fantastic
1: legacy of Australian golf. Over period, I have a period. I think there was number one. I always loved playing in Australia. Number two, I think. Australian courses suited my game, um, even more so 10 years ago than they do now. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, um, they were always rock hard, really fast greens. It sort of played to the game that I, I like to play. i like to bounce the ball. The, the one thing that I was good at, I think every player, no matter who they are, is good at something. Mm-hmm. They don't have to be good at everything, mm-hmm. but there's, there's always something. Most people look at driving the ball. They hit it a long way. They putt great. They chip good. I think all good, all all pros that last a long time are probably good chippers, or very good chippers. Mm -hmm. Um, My thing was, I had very good distance control with the ball. So the bouncier the course got, the better I got because I could keep it within play without getting into too much trouble. Land it where you wanted to, which is key. Yes, which is really key. And it's a different. It's a different game to, say, America who went through a period where they put long rough around all the greens, but the long rough around all the greens just makes the errant tee shot or the errant shot not go far away. So as long as you need a flop shot out of the thick grass, that's all it asks you. But in Australia, if you, if you land one pin high 10 <laughs> yards off the side of the green and it's rock. All of a sudden, you've got a 40-yard 40 40 pitch yard over, shot. bunker off, bare legs, sand, all that sort of stuff. Is the least interesting
0: walk in professional golf the 200-yard walk with the 60-degree wedge in hand because you know the shot you've got before you get there? Yeah. That long, rough
1: Yeah, thing? that long, rough. It's,
0: it's very... At Royal Melbourne, you walk up there with the whole bag, don't you? Because you've got well, no you, idea you what take you're going face. Yeah. You,
1: you can't <laughs> a just could be drive a, hybrid, a... You know, if you're playing in a buggy, you can't just take one club. You take yeah, four, you four or five and wedges take, and, that's and right, yeah, off yeah. you go. So. Yes, it's a. uh It was just a very different game, mm. and I, I think it it was what I grew up on, mm-hmm. and I felt really comfortable with it. The mental part of the
0: game, the 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 ability to pick apart what you need to do on a golf course to play and score well, is a skill in itself, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think I think definitely. Like, I think you'll find a lot of golf courses as, as horses for courses, like certain courses fit mm-hmm. your eyes. Your natural um, shape. Yeah, so the right. guys that hit it right to left will like, you know, causes that you have to hit it right to left on, left to right, same sort of thing. You know, the good courses, are the ones that you have to hit the variety of yeah. different shots. Um, you know, there's definitely an art. I th- and I, I think all good players now, they go through it so often in their in their heads before they play it, in theory, it's pretty straightforward. There's no real shocks to the system. So I, like, I always had, like, even when I, like, I'd go to bed the night before, I'd still be going through hole by hole. I'm going to hit it there, hit it there, hit it here, hit it there. Like a twelve marker before the monthly medal. Same thing. It's exactly it's the same. Isn't it? Yeah, and like even when, like, funny enough, I, I played with uh, one of the uh, the V8 guys the other week, and uh, you know he was saying. Oh, no, I just, I do, we are only allowed to, to race the cars practice-wise four days a year. So he goes, I just have a simulator, and I just go through each, the week before, and I just keep going through and just racing the same track. Over and over. Over simulator. and over, which is basically what golfers do Golf in their Australia. heads
0: anyway. Yeah. Yeah, and then, yeah, and who knows what's going to happen when you get out there, of course. Yes. As I said, this is coming out around the Australian Open, which I'm going to suggest is a pretty special tournament to you. Two yep. Australian yep. Opens, three PGA's, two Australian Masters. That's yep. all. It's the triumvirate. You've got the big three there of mm-hmm. Australian golf, which yep. I mean, some pretty elite company. Talk about where the the Open fits in there, and talk about the two wins that you had because there's some great stuff in there as well.
1: The um, as far like as far as the Open's concerned, that's the pinnacle of the Australian tournaments. I think. Um, Do you still believe that? Do you still feel that way about it? Is it still special to you even after all these years? Yeah, yeah. I think I think all the like they were all. Like, I, I couldn't say that one was no. bigger to me than the others. Sort of like that whole like a kid, like your kids thing? You can't pick one out and say they're
0: better than the others. Yeah.
1: I, I think, you know, I think at the time that I won the the first Masters, that was probably the biggest one that I'd won because just on the amount of people that were there, the amount of players that were there, <laughs> excuse me, like even the last round of that I played with Mike Weir, who turned out to be two incredible guys in well. two days. Yeah, bad. so... Uh, you know, when I look back at that, you know, all those three tournaments were the tournaments that we all wanted to win. They were always together. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, maybe I was cheating a little bit because if you get on a roll... Yeah. You, you can and do an Allenby. You can do three in a row, yep. yeah, re- realistically. I think if you're ever going to do it when they're three in a row, that's the yeah. chance to do it. But, um, you know, I I never really played amateur golf, so I never really became part of the amateur mm-hmm. body, so to me, they were all very similar. The, you know, the Australian Open, the first one was at Moona Links. Um, it's a different sort of a course and venue for an Australian Open, isn't it? Very different. It was probably the first Australian Open where it wasn't like the Masters, mm-hmm. if that makes yeah. sense, as far as a sand belt course right in the heart of Melbourne, people everywhere or or even the Australian Open, I think probably the first tournament that i played i think the first australian open i played was at the australian and from that day on i was like wow this is this is big this is big this is quite something you know coming in coming down the last i always remember must have been like 19 it must have been 91 92 maybe i think i was behind i was in front of norman because norman had the albatross so i was on the next tee Watch that go in and wow. uh I reckon V J Singh was in front of me. So he was okay. so I was we were squeezed in amongst so the it was, two it's legends. quite the sandwich isn't it eh, to be honest. Yeah, it the was of? quite the sandwich, so uh, uh but that's when I thought, you know, this is incredible. That crowd must have been amazing when he held that shot. Was I was it was unbelievable. Because it was like nobody in the field could barely reach that. I'd I'd take like I said, probably Lindsay if he was going hitting at his best, um Ogle probably. <laughs> but he uh, Everybody was waiting for him to hit his second shot. we were on the tee, waiting to hit off, and I still remember sort of just bounced onto the front edge of the green. And there were like, you watching? Yeah, you, we were. Oh, you we turned you were turned and the watching, we watching that thing come up. I couldn't help it. What a front row seat you've had! So we <laughs> were like we were above everybody. Yeah. Um, the the green had three tiers. I think it was on the second tier. And you, just to get on the green was an incredible shot. Got it on the green. Everybody starts roaring, and then it gets up and. Goes up the tier and roaring louder, and then all of a sudden it just went bang in, and the roar was just—it was incredible. It was like it was like Tiger-esque later on in '97, but it was a uh, yes. I'll never forget that shot. The ball on the ground is the great thing about going. That's when the real magic happens, don't you?
0: Think? Yes. That when yeah. it's hit the ground and it's rolling, it's rolling that it. ten seconds is—is is it? Will it? Won't it? Can it get there? Is it going to turn? Is it going to catch the lip? Is it going? to – It's an amazing.
1: Exactly. It's, it's incredible. incredible stuff. Yes. Once again, it was like a one of those moments. It was like I, th- I think in those days I'd actually never been on TV before, maybe once or something. And uh, we, I still remember getting to the last hole, and I, 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 could hit it on this. I hit It's a par five, so I could hit it on the last for two with a, like I think I had a four iron, and uh, I waited and waited and waited for VJ. They put it out. Off they went. And uh, anyway, I hit this four iron to about six inches, I wow. suppose, and tapped it in for my eagle. I think I went two under, two under those first two days. And uh, I thought, that's going to be on TV, surely. I'm in front of Norman, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, so my mum had uh, uh, videoed it. I mean, in those days we had the VCRs and so I get home, I said, oh, I reckon I've got a shot on TV. So we go all the way to the end and they had me standing up there, waiting, waiting and then they get me standing over the ball I take a waggle and then <laughs> They went to the news. <laughs> so I didn't <laughs> see any of it. <laughs> <laughs> you got to see uh, I thought it. That my, I, was, I thought that was going to be my only claim to fame, but anyway. big chance. Yeah. Well. How do you deal with all that? Is it – because all of that, of course,
0: grew for you. You became quite well, – you still are. you quite the star in Australia in terms of high-profile golfers. Every time you come back to Australia to play, you mm. do the press conferences and people want to interview magazines, they want to do sing, swing sequences, with you. all that other stuff that's got nothing to do with playing the game. How do you cope with all of that?
1: You've always been incredibly generous with the press. Is that just – not all. It was phones, fine. I wasn't. I wasn't really. I didn't have a lot of requests, you know. But uh, you know, I was, reckon I've been pestering you for the best part of twenty years for interviews I,
0: and yeah, phone chats.
1: It's not that. it never takes that long, does it? So, but like, I'm not quite at that. Um, <laughs> I was never quite at that level, you know, like a Adam Scott or a Norman or any of those. So do you enjoy that side of it. I feel like a lot of players
0: don't. But do you enjoy um, chatting? I just.
1: Treat whoever the way they treat me. If they get a bit aggressive with their questions, I probably don't like it. But I'm just the way I am, so if you like it, great. I'm pretty diplomatic, so I don't usually get in. I'm probably the, the journalist's worst nightmare because I don't get myself into too much, no. you know, kerfuffle. But you don't hide your opinions either, do you? No, I think I'm. I think mean, you're pretty... reasonably fair both ways. Yeah. But I just. I'm not overly emo- emotive about it can, be, pieces. it can be an issue, can't
0: it? I mean, I, I remember talking to Jeff Ogley about this after he won the US Open, which is obviously, that's a big yeah, deal different, to win a yeah. major, but there's probably an element of this too. He said as soon as he won the US Open, it was amazing. Suddenly he was right about everything. Apparently.
1: Yes, yes. Well, you know, all well, I, Yeah, I remember Hensby going, I remember Hensby got in all sorts of kerfuffle about, yeah, did, uh, about, the, shark. At, about the shark. And later on, the... Uh, I don't know whether I can say it the way he said it, but he, he's, <laughs> I think I'm aware of it. He said, "Yeah, you know, he sort of said, Well, you know, no one cared what I thought up until like all of a sudden I, I went a golf tournament. and All of a sudden, what I what I say matters. That's Nobody's right. taken any nose on me before, so us. why does it make me any smarter now? Yeah. So just leave me alone, whiz. So, uh, yes, it's funny that and and we see this in football and other
0: sports is that you take young blokes, make them think they're more important than they are. It can be hard to keep your feet on the ground.
1: Yes, there's That's a few." Over the years, that have gotten a little, a little bit big for their boots, and that I think golf's a very. I think it's hard to get too big for your boots in golf. Yeah, I it, think
0: it'll generally whack you. Pretty it'll whack, whack you
1: sooner or later. Every like throughout my whole career, at any time that I've thought I got this, I'm going to really go to the next <laughs> level. I'm, I often get belted, <laughs> yeah, like, right. you know, the next day or something. But yeah. uh, the one I remember is uh, Augusta. So I went to Augusta, probably five times, six times maybe, something, I can't remember. And um, I could never. It was one of those courses that you're always putting over tiers. There was one thing that I hated doing, I was no good at. Up and and then down? Yes, anything. The first two days in particular, pins are always up on the tops of the hills. So unless you hit it in a perfect position, the ball would roll off the hill and you'd have a 20, 30-footer, 40-footer up over a tier, stopping it just on top of the tier. And, And I never really... I just wasn't good at it. I practiced it. When I got into Augusta, I was trying to work out ways to do it. When I practice rounds, I do a lot of practice of it, but I just wasn't very good at it. And, um, the last one, I actually snuck in. I had no reason to be at Augusta, and then all of a sudden I finished second at New Orleans, which was like two weeks before it was the cutoff for the top 50 in the world, and all of a sudden I was 49th in the world. You're in Augusta again. So, uh, anyways, so I thought, so I, Every year I, I'd go home and i think, I just can't believe I can't shoot a score around there. So the first round, 69, should have shot 63, 64, played great. It all went the way I thought. And then the next – and that night I'm thinking, I've got it. I've got this Final joint. I've months. worked it out. I'm finally <laughs> going to have a fun week at Augusta and have a lot of fun. And and then I shot 80 and missed a cut, so it was an absolute nightmare. But, uh yeah, that's Do you just, like the, the way golf is. I thought it was – it was probably a bit long for me at by the time they all carry golf courses. You got to carry a, the ball Yes, there's life. no bouncing it. No. And, and I always thought it was going to be a little different to that. Um, the other thing that I, I found very difficult with there was the, you never get a flat lie. It's always, you're always playing angles mm-hmm. and things. And, um, you know, it definitely took a, a, a few years to actually see things that other players could see. So the first, the first two, the first tournament I played there, I thought, oh well, it'll be good. I'll play with a couple of no names, and we can get around, around, see how we go, and you know, be pretty easy. Anyway, the first it rained non-stop the first three days before the tournament, so that I don't even think they let spectators on for a couple right. of the days. I played nine holes one day, nine holes the next day, and next thing I'm pegging it up with Phil Mickelson and. uh David Tom's. <laughs> I was like, "What oh, can are you National. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, what was he like, Phil? I found him really good. I'd never, I'd never had a problem with. I always thought he was really nice. He was actually, and I think this is where, to Australians, maybe he comes across where they're not so sure is because he's actually so nice. Australians, but you can't believe it. You've got to be I, suspicious. Australians <laughs> are going, "Oh, <laughs> hang on a minute. Is he serious or is he having a laugh?" So, yeah. So, but. You know, you got to take them as yeah, of course, the time you've spent with them. And on the ninth hole, I always remember that day. I was I was having truckloads at the start. I got off to not a very enjoyable start. And on the on the ninth hole, it's like a three tier green, and it has it sits a little bit funny to you. And the the pin was up in the back left, and I was over in the right, in the middle, where you're supposed to hit it. And he was right next to me, and I was my putt. So I walked around, walked all the way back, hit my putt up to about four feet. Anyway, he stands over his putt. And I'm looking at him and I'm thinking, where's he aiming? So anyway, so of the 30 paces that I did to go and look at my part, I reckon 25 of them were straight down the middle of his line. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so anyway, so he putted a totally different line, came up off the back edge and rolled all the way backwards down next to the hole to about an inch or so. And I said, oh, listen, sorry about that. I <laughs> and he said, oh, it's fine. He said, unless you played it 20 times, you would have never really even thought that was a line. And I said, you're not wrong there. So anyway, so we walk on up, and then he says, "Oh, you're playing here full time now." And I, I said, "Oh, yeah, I've I've been over here for a couple of years now." But oh, so I said, well, you, "We just love it when you guys come here and play." Oh, I just think it's wonderful. Like that. And at that moment, I was on the team, and I'm thinking, "Is he taking the piss out of me? or Is he actually serious?" <laughs> but yeah, I, thought, I thought I thought he was lovely. But he, yeah, he I think he's so nice. The Australians aren't used to. So nice. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure he, I think he's got oh, an edge. Uh, of and all good players have yeah, that course. edge when it comes to push and shove. I don't
0: think he even tries to hide it. He's quite open about yeah. the hard time he gives some yeah. of the younger players and the betting and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, he's an interesting one, isn't he? Yeah. What's it like living in that? When you're. You turn up at Augusta and you you know it's your first time and they pick you up with Phil and all and you're having thousands the first eight holes. What's that like? Because I know it's, it's, very, it's very uncomfortable. <laughs> it's not good, not good, not because amateurs when we play with pros we feel like we're in the way. It's like, oh shit, this guy's he can plumb. I'm in the way. And you, you, you rush to try and get out of the way because you. I'm, yeah. feel, I'm sure it's not like that for pros, but is there a bit of that you feel?
1: Or, not so or much. Are you
0: just locked not, into?
1: not so much get out of the way of things like. Oh, by the by the time I'd gotten there, I'd played in America for yeah. long enough, and like every tournament's like. You know, they have three, four, five hundred thousand people coming out over the week. So you're quite used to the spectators and the crowds. The um, other
0: thing I was saying they're terrified of, the notion of somebody watching you play golf. Yes, well, realize. that adds
1: tenfold, does it? So, yeah. but Augusta, the fact that it was Augusta I wanted to do well. Mm. Um, yeah, but playing poorly, I did, uh, I must, like over my whole career, I was actually quite lucky, where I really didn't have any many disasters uh-huh. when it really mattered. Um, you know, as far as disasters would be would be Augusta, the first couple of rounds. Yeah. I never really quite got going in the right direction, so that was about as embarrassing as I yeah yeah I could feel because the, the speed moment in
0: twenty sixteen yeah. when he hit it in the
1: water there on twelve, yes, and then hit it in the water again.
0: You just can't, we all know it. Don't? You just want the earth to open up yes. and swallow
1: it. And then you've got to drop it and chip it. <laughs> now you've got to keep playing. And that's even worse that's and right. keep going. And Yeah, so it's it like the club championship of a, the average Joe Blow. Yeah. All of a sudden, every shot counts. It's a uh,
0: It changes everything,
1: doesn't it? Yes, a little uncomfortable.
0: A long, a long way from the range to the 1st two, just wanna, yeah, <laughs> You just want to get it over <laughs> with and yeah. get out of there. Indeed. Let's go back to the Australian Open. The second Australian Open, I think, is the one I probably remember more uh, at the Australian. I seem to recall the last day you hit it in a... <laughs> Not great spot on the eighteenth hole, up on the left (laughs) on the hill there. Yeah. What do you remember about? Yeah, I remember that. Um, It was a safe shot. It certainly was the safe line, wasn't it?
1: Well, (laughs) it was one of those ones where, you know, all week I I think I'd won. I won the New South Wales Open the week before Mm -hmm. at Liverpool. Oh, I'd played pretty well. Uh, No, I I came down the last with a good Summers, Anthony Anthony, Anthony Summers. Yeah, that's right. Um, and I he, uh, he. Mucked up the last, he, and so oh, I got away win. with it. So, yeah, <laughs> so, so, yeah, so, I don't know how you say it, but yeah, So I made a par, you made a bogey. So, um, such a nice bloke. I don't know how you could have done that guy. to it. Nicest well, bloke in the world. It's, well, it's one of the yeah, worst things you've ever done. There probably was one of the worst things I've ever <laughs> done, but uh, <laughs> sometimes they just fall in your lap and you can't help it. But he, like we'd been neck and neck the whole day, so you know you would have felt pretty ordinary at the end of the day. I'd say um, I was actually playing really well. I'd uh, been, I'd actually. I'd actually just started to see. I'd been seeing lead better for probably five or six months, and it was okay. But there was something that week at the New South Wales Open where all of a sudden I was like, oh, okay, this." You found it. Uh, yeah, I that found magical it. Magical moment. It was different, and so the New the New South Wales Open was was big. The next the Australian Open, I I turned up and I played tea to green really well, but didn't putt very well. So um, you know, it was not until the last day. Last nine holes, all of a sudden I hold a couple of putts and I thought nobody was really moving and I wasn't really making bogeys because I was in lots of greens. And So I got to the par five about 15, uh, 15 16, uh, 14. Mm-hmm. Um, knocked it in the bunker there for two, got it up and down for birdie. Um, I can't remember the scores exactly. Then the next par three, I hit it on to about 15 feet and I thought if I, if I can hold this... I'm right there. So anyway, so I hold that. So that was good. 16th is the hardest. one of the hardest holes, of course. Awkward, isn't it? Really awkward. 17, too awkward. Holes. Yes. Yes. Exactly. So um, you know, I hit a great four iron onto that green and two part for par. Um, the 17th hole. Now I'm sort of tied for the lead. I think. Um, no, I'm maybe one ahead even. And uh, the 17th hole, I like hitting a drive. I well, in those days I used to like hitting a like a punch driver and go almost long around, roll down the hill down next to the water there. And there was a there's a little tree that stuck out on the left. I used to aim at that and cut it off it. So anyway, so I aimed at that, I went bang, didn't move. <laughs> just went dead straight out of it. So anyway, I came back, I hit a four iron to the right of the green. Four iron? Like, not what I was expecting. No,
0: no, no, that's, there's out of your comfort zone. And I was
1: over the back on the right edge, and the pin was in the back left corner, and I just, and I chipped it in. All of a sudden I'm Two ahead, one ahead, two ahead. So I'm going. What the hell happened? <laughs> How this, like, it all just fell into place. So I hold a few parts and, mm-hmm. you know, then I chipped this thing in. It just went in perfect pace, just dribbled straight in the back, in the front of the hole. And then, um, so 18, I get up on 18. I'm thinking I'm going to, I'll just three shot it down there, make my par and it's done. There's, a, you know, the other guys have 16, 17 to go and 18. So they'll probably make birdie, but they're not going to unlikely for them to make eagle, they can. Yeah. So They're going to I, need to
0: come and get me. Yeah,
1: they've got to come and get me. So anyway, so I just ripped this driver down there. I get down there and I've got 212 yards to the hole and I'm going, oh, I can't play this up. <laughs> <laughs> it was like one of the dumb, like looking back at it, it was just the dumbest moment of my life, I think. But I, well, definitely not my life, but one of the sillier moments of my life. So I uh, I stand there, say, so I've got like, Got to hit 90 yards short of the water, and then hit 120 or whatever it is, or 110, um, or I knock it on. I'm thinking, well, I'm playing great. I, you know, I can't just knock it on the green, stop being a horse. So, what sort of club are you looking at? For 212 yards, uh, four, I think we're talking. It was a, it was a, in those days, it was a four iron. Four iron, yeah. But it was there was <laughs> a little puff of wind, not a lot, but you know. To, you don't want to be short. You, you don't, don't want, want to be, be short. So, short. So all of a sudden, so I thought, well, I hit a, I think I had a two iron in uh-huh. or a three iron or something. And I thought oh, I'll go a club extra and, you know, make sure of it. So anyway, so we had to wait for a while, wait for a while. And then I, um, I stood over and just as I was about to hit, I said, well, don't hit it right. And I let this thing go. I went so far up that hill up the left. <laughs> it was, it was like, I was like, no man, it was like, a, no, it was like it could have actually been a disaster. There's, there's, I had disaster written all over. There could have been. You could have there. easily
0: taken four from up yes.
1: there. So I, uh, without hitting a particularly bad shot on any of them. Yes. So you know, I got up there. I, I managed to get it on the edge of the green. And then I three whacked it to make bogey, and then no one caught me. So I, I got lucky there. It was a um, it was a, there was a funny moment there when I um, the next day, <clears throat> or that that night when I come home. I, I live in a, a apartment building. I get in the lift, there's a lady in the lift, I've got my golf clubs, and she said, Oh, yeah, she's a golfer, eh? I said, Yeah, I play a bit of golf. She said, Oh, she says, Are yeah, you any good? And I said, oh, I'm okay. <laughs> so we had a bit of a talk about golf and where she's a member and all this sort of stuff. So no problem. And then um, the next morning, I wake up and I go downstairs, and there's a, the concierge is there, and he said, Oh, listen, he said, um, The lady in number such and such 12, left this for yeah. you. I said, All oh, right. So anyway, so it was a letter saying, oh, I apologise for uh, not recognise you in the thing, blah, blah, blah. Um, funny enough, I actually watched you play yesterday <laughs> and on the back page of the paper there was a picture of me hitting off that hill and she was Jeez. standing right next to me. <laughs> so Something none of us like look the same without our hats on. But Didn't uh recognise you. Yeah, so, uh, so I looked back at that one. I was lucky, mm-hmm. um, but I, if I had closed it out a bit different. It's
0: funny no, that... I talked. I, did, I interviewed Bob and Kathy Shearer together. I don't mm-hmm. know, well, you know Kathy, but yeah, yeah, good yeah. That? Yep. that was a bit of sport. I yep. can tell you this was a couple of months ago, and he talked about the '82 Australian Open that he won, yep. and he had a similar sort of thing. He was, I think, he played with Nicholas obviously the last day, and Nicholas hit a one iron out of the green from five yards behind him. And he said the, the caddy and the marsh, He had the marshal telling him to lay up. He's like, "Hey, hey!" <laughs> but he talked about that sort of strategy. He said, "You can't lay it up there as a." He couldn't take a wedge and hit it 90 yards. You couldn't do it. Yes. You had to take the three-iron and rip it onto the green. If you missed it, miss it left. But you, you, that right. would have been a harder shot to try and hit a wedge
1: 90 yards than to try and hit a three-iron 200 yards at the time. It's yeah. a funny thing. I got, got got, I got sucked into it. And I, like the whole way down, oh, it was going to be a three-shutter. And then when I did the numbers, I was like,
0: so what you should have done was hit one iron or threw it off the tee.
1: So you can't do so there's, it. There's just not a choice. That's exactly right.
0: Because it's choices that kill yes. you in golf, isn't it? It's That's the decision right. making. If
1: the bad decision can really yeah. kill you. But I, uh, you know, I, I was actually into like the, I was into the normal nor'easter. So I, I actually think there was a part of me thinking, well, I'm not going to, I can't reach it anyway. So, but as it turns out, once but I got, got down there, was yeah, it all, you, hit you know, got shots, a good bounce, nice bounce and all this sort of stuff. So, but um. <laughs> Yes, we actually, the Australian Golf Club, you know, we've been lucky enough to be all made, um, honorary members because we won the Australian Open there. And I had the pleasure of being at their, they, they did a bit of a dinner and to speak, uh, um, like a night and where they gave Bob his membership. Oh, and, fantastic. um, they had myself, uh, Craig Parry and, and Bob up there. And it was, um, it was like, it was unbelievable to hear Bob. Talking about his Australian Open at the Australian, it was just incredible. It was like it was a really good night. Yeah,
0: it's a course that he didn't like. Cathy didn't come well, to he, Sydney. He didn't say that. No, no, he did.
1: And he, <laughs> he didn't. did. He did, She didn't come to Sydney. That's right. That's, that's right. right. He didn't say that because he yeah. told
0: her I'll be home Friday night. Uh, <laughs> she never played well. Yeah, uh, I never uh, have. The uh, clubhouse had burnt down five weeks before, and oh, so it was really? all, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. All yeah. I remember the clubhouse burning. And down. Nicholas was there, and he got paired with Nicholas, so he had to, you know, yep. man up. Be a pro and play properly, and yep. he suddenly found himself. So he was there and thereabouts at the end, and there you go. He, he ended up winning it, and Kath missed it because she was out in the garden. <laughs> She's out doing some gardening, which she hates doing, but she couldn't stand watching couldn't it watch on it. TV. It was she made it a Yes, as, uh, as a guy. you now play the Australian quite regularly. So. Yeah, a little bit. Do those yeah. memories come funny back from?
1: Yeah, I, 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 well, it, there's actually. Of the course, it's changed a bit. I know it has changed a little bit, but there's something about the Australian that and. Although it's a big golf courses, it? it's a big event golf course. Yes, it's, it's, the bigger uh, the event, the bigger, the better it comes out. Yeah, a, like, it's got an unbelievable feel about the yeah. course, the amphitheater and there's space. And yeah. it's,
0: it's, it's it's a fantastic yeah. tournament venue.
1: Yes, so you know, funny enough, like when I say I didn't play any amateur golf, I did play a couple of schoolboys mm-hmm. events near the end, and one of the qualifying was to play at the Australian. So I. I that was the first time I ever saw the Australian was probably when I was 15, 14 or 15. And I still remember walking on the first tee. I'm thinking, is this a putting green or is this a tee? I've never seen anything like, I'd never seen anything like it. Like
0: a divot here. Yeah,
1: like I'm out at, <laughs> I'm out at Oatlands or <laughs> Ride right, Parramatta where it's all Kaikyu and, you know, this thing's just the purest bent you've ever seen. I was like, wow, this is unbelievable joint. So uh, I've always had incredible memories about it, yeah. whether it be the... The schoolboys event, and I would have shot 100. I don't know what I shot, 80s, whatever. But then the first Australian Open I ever played there, that was the first tournament where I, that I played where I was like, wow, this is, this is big time. This is what tournament golf is. Yeah, this like, is what it's, this is what it's about. This is what you read about in America and, mm-hmm. you know, majors and all this sort of stuff. So, uh, to actually win one there was quite special.
0: Yeah, fantastic a couple of things I want to ask you about to finish up because I've taken more of your time than I meant to. Your point. You've got a fantastic story about when you lived in London and Pete Senior came to stay with you. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Anybody who's heard it will enjoy hearing it again and anybody who hasn't will enjoy hearing it for
1: the first time. Yeah, well, <laughs> Peter used to... Um, I'm going to throw him under the bus here. So He was <laughs> very good at... Uh, every year we have these yearly, uh, what do you call them, um, commitments with the tour where you've got to go to meetings and compulsory meetings so everybody's got to go so peter peter used to he he'd sort of left europe and he'd come back to play a few here and there and so he stayed with me in england i had a place in um a village called sunning hill and uh he was very good at getting into these meetings and getting out and i like i'd never seen him in action before but this day he you know you sign in because they'd know where we're all hopeless at going to meetings so mm-hmm. you sign in and then i watched him go and say hello to all the head honchos, Schofield, and all these blokes. Hello, 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 hello. And then I, am watching him. I'm thinking, oh, where's he going? And the next thing, he's gone. Right, <laughs> out the side door. He's out of there. <laughs> I'm stuck in this meeting for an hour and a half. So anyway, so you know, it was gold. It was like he's been seen. That's all. That he's made it been happen. seen. Yes. Yeah, so you know, somebody's going to say, "Seen him? Yeah. Oh, I seen senior wasn't there or something." They go, "Oh, I, saw I spoke you. to him. That's I shook right. his he shook my hand." Yeah, that's <laughs> right. So he's good. He's, he's, he's <laughs> as good as being there, right? So. I'm thinking, you bastard, I can't believe you just did that. How did, so that, that was an old, to me, that was a, an old timer move okay. on how to, how to do it. Okay. So, That's a trick. anyway, so finally I come home, you know, an hour and a half, two hours later, you know, I want to kill myself been talking about, you know, the food in the players' locker rooms <laughs> and all this rubbish that has nothing to do with us anyway. And, um, I, we were, all, I lived in like a, it was like a terrace house and it was like, there was probably a block of six of them all lined up. I was quite good friends with my neighbour. So I parked my car and I uh get out and he, uh my at that time my my neighbour's father was staying with him and he's out gardening or doing something to the front in the front yard and I, G'day John, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, Peter, how are you? I said, Yeah, I'm good. He says, Oh, he said, uh, just met your father. I said, Oh, what? He said, Your father? I was talking to him earlier. What a lovely chap I said, My father he goes, Yeah. Yes, yeah, your father I said, You sure? He goes, Yes, no doubt, no doubt. The similarities, you look, you are the spitting image of each other. It's incredible. Are you sure it was my father? And he goes, yes. He said, I said, hello, my name's John. He said, hi, I'm Peter Senior. So <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, no, that's his name, Peter <laughs> Senior. He's not Peter Senior. So uh, has yeah. he ever lived that
0: down with you? Or you no, I was like, it
1: well, he was. I was dirty because they said I was a spitting image of him, and he was dirty because he, he thought they thought he he could be my father. So we were both not very impressed with it.
0: <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. Peter, there's a million things I'd love to sit here and chat with you some more, but I've taken, as I said, more of your time. The last thing I wanted to ask you about, you used to be into cars. Are you still into cars? What
1: is it with golfers and cars? Richard Green, Wade Ormsby, you? Yeah. I, or is it just blokes? Just blokes in general, yeah, I think. It's not golfers. It's um, blokes. You know, I, I enjoyed the uh, – like I like the touring cars yeah, and uh, you the Panaro you there so, yeah, for a while. Well, when I yeah, came out well, on. I always had. Uh, funny enough, I had a um, I had this hotted up Holden HDT or whatever they call it, and then I finally decided I don't need it anymore, so I get rid of it. And then a week later, I won you had a one. I had you? a Holden one here at the lakes <laughs> and won a <laughs> SS Commodore, and you know, so yeah, so I've just had that thing forever where I've you know loved cars. Um you know, probably that's the only thing I have really wasted money on. Mm-hmm. The one thing I did say, if I ever, if, if I get my tour card, I'm going to buy myself an Aston Martin, and uh, so I did that in America. Did you? Yes, and uh, blew it up the first day I had it. <laughs> it was just, a, it was an absolute disaster. So I ended up getting rid of it, but it was an absolute nightmare. So I'll just stick to the standard v It's like uh, they
0: say about boats, don't they? There's, there's two great days to owning a boat, the day you get it and the day you sell it. That's right. And everything else in between is just a nightmare that you should have, that you was, could
1: have lived without. That was definitely the Aston Martin experience. But uh, yes, no, I've been very lucky. Well,
0: mate, on go. behalf of everybody who's listened and hopefully listened all the way through, it's been fantastic <laughs> to catch up. You've always been gracious with your time and we really appreciate it. Thanks very much. Best of luck in the future too. Thanks, mate. Well, if you've made it this far, congratulations and thank you for sitting through all that. I know it was a long discussion, but to be honest, I feel like we could have gone on for double that length of time and still had things to talk about. I can't thank Peter enough for being so generous with his time, and I think we all wish him the best, both over the upcoming Australian summer and in his over-50s career. Now, speaking of the Australian summer of golf, it will, of course, be highlighted in 2019 by the staging of the President's Cup. At Royal Melbourne This is the third time Australia's most revered layout Has played host to the tournament And while the players are front and centre Over the course of the competition The scrutiny on Royal Melbourne's composite course Is intense So what's it like to be tasked With making sure the venues up to snuff of such a major spectacle Tune in next month to find out When we meet Royal Melbourne Course Superintendent Richard Forsyth.